0: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on And now starting an hour earlier Welcome inside the Radio Octagon This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM Filling in for Michael Ball Here's Brendan McGuire
1: Wow, this is really happening Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherritt Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherritt.com. Throughout the program, this afternoon and evening, we will visit with Braxton Whitehead from the Regina Pats. They do have some star players, not named Connor Bedard, don't you know? We'll also hear from Bob Stoffer of the Edmonton Oiler Radio Network to check in on what's happening there. Uh Glenn Souter will join us in his usual Monday half hour as well. And we will also talk to two time Super Bowl champion Tyrone Poole, hear what he thought about the Super Bowl. Brendan McGuire in the sports cage, along with zinger Sean Kleisinger. Hi, how and McGuire, good man. Happy to be here. What did you think of the Super Bowl?
2: It was a good game, man. A lot of people are talking about the quote-unquote play at the end, the call, the five-yard defensive holding penalty. I'm sure we'll address that a lot throughout the show today, but overall, it was a pretty good football game, I thought, man. 38-35, what more can you expect or want in a Super Bowl? It was good. You know, I didn't have any rooting interest. I didn't care who won or lost, so... But with that said, I was still kind of upset with that penalty flag, Um, but...
1: Here we are. What was the height of your day? Was it being able to watch the Super Bowl, or having a video with Casper looking at Brett Favre and explaining the history of Brett Favre stealing money from poor people?
2: Sometimes you just have to do parenting right. You got to explain to your kid, you know, you got to look past the MVPs, you got to look past the Super Bowl he won, and you really got to get down to the nitty gritty and tell him what this man is all about. And I told him, I told my son, hey, this guy steals from children's charities, so.
1: It's just facts. Parenting 101, and I commend you for (laughs) looking through it without cheese-colored glasses. Which is very hard. Brett Favre is. Okay, first of all, we go out to the Western Pizza Hotline to talk about CFL Free Agency, which will wrap up officially tomorrow. And joining us on the line is our good pal John Hodge from Three Down Nation. John, what did you think about the stupid bowl?
3: (laughs) That's quite the name for it. Uh, I liked it. It was a good football game. My only complaint would be the ending. And you know, it, interestingly, I thought the game was was kind of the opposite of the Grey Cup this year. Uh, this year's Grey Cup in the vagina between Winnipeg and Toronto was kind of a meandering, sloppy game until the very end. When all of a sudden, you yeah, have these lead changes and, and the offense is kind of caught fire and. We had an excellent finish, and the Super Bowl was the exact opposite. By and large, it was a very compelling, interesting game. Lots of offense, particularly in the second half from Patrick Mahomes. And then any football fan, any person, and I know the Super Bowl is for a more general audience, people who are there for the snacks and the the halftime show and all that, but any football fan knew the second that that flag was thrown on James Bradbury of the Philadelphia Eagles, that game was over. Just given the length of time that was left in the game, the automatic first down, and so it was kind of an, uh, I guess, an anticlimactic finish at least for me. So all in all, still a good game, but to me that that ending holds it back from being, you know, quote unquote, a, a top five Super Bowl at I, least for me.
1: I'm a firm believer that the Canadian Football League or just the Canadian game is a superior game played by inferior athletes for the most part, and in many cases, more recently, inferior coaching uh, that said i've always felt like one rule that i've preferred about the national football league is the fact that they do include the timeouts like you act, they actually put the timeouts up on the screen they don't even do that up here and that just injects more strategy the way that game ended made me think i'm wrong there's a reason why we don't want the timeouts playing such a big role were you thinking that too
3: well, for, for me, it's partly the timeouts. Uh, the, the bigger issue is, is simply the runoff of the clock. In the NFL, you can run off 40 seconds between plays. And, of course, if you keep the clock moving after first down, well, then, you know, you can delay your snap of the ball on on second down, on third down, and on fourth down. So, you know, three downs times 40 seconds, you can kill two minutes. In the CFL, you know, you've you've you got one fewer downs. So if you keep the clock moving on first down – You've only got two more snaps, and you can only run off 20 seconds. So, you know, we're talking about 40 seconds in Canada versus two minutes in the NFL, and that's part of why the game in the the Canadian Football League is so entertaining, even in the last minute, because you've got potentially, you know, lots of action still left. You know, you could have two different possessions, even three different possessions, just depending on, on the nature of the game and the circumstance of how things play out, whereas in the NFL... You know, at a time late in the game when you want the most action, you often don't get it. And I'll say this, too. If the CFL's rules were in place in the NFL, let's say, you know, the Chiefs only get 40 seconds off at the end of the game. All of a sudden, then, you're putting the ball in the hands of Jalen Hurts with a minute and 15 seconds left instead of whatever that paltry, you know, five seconds was or whatever he had at the end of the game. So. To me, that would make for a much more exciting, much more classic ending. It's, you know Whether he's successful or not, Jalen Hurts gets the opportunity to lead his team down the field and potentially tie or win the game versus, okay, he's going out for a Hail Mary that everybody knows is, is very likely to fall incomplete.
2: So with all this said and done, John Hodge of Three Down Nation, this is Zinger, by the way, uh, if you're the referee out there, is that a penalty? Do you throw that flag? Let's get down to the nitty-gritty.
3: I mean, those two things I think are, are, are different questions in, in a way. Was it a penalty? By definition, yes. And I'll credit the defensive back for coming out and saying post-game that yes, it was, it was a hold. But by that same token, holding happens on every single play. Unless it's truly egregious at that point of the game, I think you let it slide. And I think that was even more true after we saw the pass come down from Patrick Mahomes. And it was clear that the receiver was never going to get there. It was an overthrow. And so, you know, small, ticky-tacky penalties. Like 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 any given play in football, you could find an offensive or defensive player who, by the letter of the law, has broken a rule. Not dissimilar to how if you followed somebody on the road right now for 20 minutes in Regina. Surely you could find them for, for some or, or give them a ticket for some very ticky-tack you know, false maneuver in their vehicle, whether they roll gently through a stop sign or, or maybe they accelerate it slightly at an amber light. But there's a reason why we don't run around policing these things. It's because it's in nobody's best interest to be worrying about the tiny, minute details. You have to focus on what really matters. And in the context of the Super Bowl, what really matters is is letting the game play out. Unless the penalty is egregious, you got to keep the flag in your pocket and let the teams figure out who's going to win this game, not interrupt it. With uh, a piece of nylon, that's that's ruining the last couple games of a, uh, a couple minutes of the most important sporting event in in this continent.
1: CFL insider John Hodge of Three Down Nation, our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline. You can join in on the Twitter handle at Sports uh, also on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 306-936- 6262 and you can also call us toll free at 1-866-767- 0620. Since we live in the Prairie region, which is the only region in Canada that apparently still prefers the Grey Cup over the Super Bowl, we won't bore our, any, our listeners with any more of that crap from down south free agency opens tomorrow um you, there's been some great reporting by yourself justin dunk jc abbott some of our contributors on the three down nation website at three sounds like this is going to be alouette west uh as of tomorrow now i know nobody can sign yet uh sounds like trevor harris has agreed to sign with the rough riders jake winneke Is there anything that could screw this up? I mean, do we know of any examples where somebody has agreed to terms through the tampering period but then has reneged at the last minute?
3: It has happened, and the the CFL, when they implemented this window, tried to avoid that scenario by requiring all deals to be registered both with the league and the Players Association to quote-unquote make them official. The reality is a lot of these deals are not actually registered with the league or the PA. They are agreed to in principle. And I think in situations where you've got a player who who knows what they're doing and has been around for a while, which if they're in free agency, that's generally the case. And if they're being represented by a reputable agent, then you can take it to the bank. That wherever they've agreed to terms, they'll sign. And so I am... 99.999% Ninety nine point nine 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 percent confident that Trevor Harris and Jake Winicky, both of whom have been in this league for a long time, and both of whom are represented by reputable agents, will become members of the Saskatchewan Roughriders tomorrow. The only instances I can think of in the recent history of this league, going back to the the five ten years I've been covering it, where players have reneged on agreements, it's generally been when they're representing themselves, and it's also generally not been players who make marquee numbers of dollars. They're players who are in more of that middle ground. And when you represent yourself, right, you're you're not necessarily able to be as maybe emotionally uh, uh, separated as an agent can be, right? You're, a player's ego can sometimes get in the way a little bit of, of sticking to something they've previously agreed to, especially if they feel like something better comes along the way. So I, I don't foresee anything getting in the way of Trevor Harris and Jake Winnicke becoming members of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders tomorrow, along with a number of other players who either have reportedly agreed to deals already or have agreed to deals, and it's yet to hit the press.
1: John Hodge joins us for Western Pizza, dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. I know we had their combo special yesterday for the Super Bowl. That I had, had that last on. night,
2: Brendan McGuire. Man, that was a lot of food. Delicious.
1: Hey, um, John, so... Should Ryder fans, barring any major changes, wake up tomorrow feeling like they were the big winner on this free agent derby? The fact that um, Dickinson and O'Day took a big, or the Riders as a whole took a big gamble by bringing back Dickinson and O'Day and needed to show their fan base something, something to get excited about, something that was new, something that would be fresh. And for a while there, it was looking like we might have to settle for Dane Evans or maybe even look at bringing back Cody Fajardo. The fact that there's a free agent prize that is going to end up in Saskatchewan, as far as we know, is that reason enough for the Ryder fans to feel like they're the big winner in all this?
3: I think Ryder fans should feel optimistic, given the way that free agency might have otherwise gone. And what I mean by that is, you know, every year, depending on how things shake out in terms of record and all that, There's a few teams who, in free agency, have to overpay to get players to go there. A team at this time last year that was in that situation was the BC Lions, right? They were a team who didn't have a proven quarterback. Michael Riley had just retired. They'd missed the playoffs. They'd had an awful year. And obviously that changed very quick with Nathan Rourke becoming a, a national sensation and signing in the NFL, Saskatchewan was looking like a place like that this offseason, especially when you consider the fact that Craig Dickinson, Jeremy O'Day, kind of that rider brain trust, if you will, is going into the last year of their contracts. However, by getting a player like Trevor Harris, and by the way, the assist with Trevor Harris comes from Gary Stern and the ownership mess in Montreal. If that situation in Montreal was more stable, I think there's a much higher chance that Trevor Harris does not go to the open market and instead re-signs with the Alouettes, but with Trevor Harris coming aboard, all of a sudden he can, and he's been doing this, by the way, go to other pending free agents during that window that was open this past week and say, Hey, I'm signing in in Saskatchewan. I'm signing for two years and I want you to come with me. And all of a sudden a situation that was not remotely appealing to free agents say a month ago, they can look at that situation and go, Oh, well, they've got a proven franchise quarterback. Trevor Harris, I mean, I, I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame right now, but he's been an excellent quarterback at times in this league over the last decade, and he, when, at, when he's at his best, he is as good as anybody in the league. So that is a huge step that has certainly taken a step in the right direction, Saskatchewan. The other thing that I will add to that, however, is just one note of caution, and that is that if fans remember back to last offseason – the big winner in free agency, headlined by the addition of Jeremiah Masoli, was the Ottawa Red Blacks. And unfortunately for fans of our nation, Ottawa stunk in 2021, and they stunk again in 2022. So the winners of free agency are not always the winners of the season. Sometimes it helps. Of course, we saw again the BC Lions overpay last offseason, yet they were spectacular in 2022. Uh, so I, I do think Ryder fans should be optimistic, but I do think it should be a cautious optimism going into training camp.
1: Hey, John, I've got to take a break, and just very, very quickly, in 20 seconds or less, is there a name or two that you could rattle off in your mind that's still out there that could be a big domino to fall that is not committed to a team? Eugene Lewis, maybe?
4: I, well,
3: Eugene Lewis is reportedly headed to Edmonton. I'm going to give you a Saskatchewan name, Brett McGuire, and that is Philip Blake. Mm. Formerly of the Riders, back a few years ago, has spent the last couple years in Toronto. He's into his late 30s, but he showed that he can play the left tackle position this past year in Toronto. And I believe, this is not official, but I believe that he will become a member of the Saskatchewan
1: Rough Riders for 2023. That would be important. Great job as always, my man. Thanks, Brandon. Anytime. Okay, that is John Hodge of Three Down Nation for Western Pizza. Dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Get it, host, get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Time to break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM.
0: Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620
1: CKRM. Back on the Monday edition of the Sports Cage. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger with you. Uh, still to come, Glenn Suter on his weekly Monday check-in. And Tyrone Poole, the two-time Super Bowl champion, will tell us what he thought about yesterday's big game. Singer, what do you think about how the Riders have made out in free agency? I think the fact that they landed Trevor Harris, no matter what else happens, they accomplished the minimum, at least the minimum, what they, needed to, to, what they set out to do.
2: You can make the argument that the Riders picked up the best quarterback available, and I know people will hear that, and they'll be like, well, Bo Levi Mitchell went to Hamilton. Okay, but this ain't 2013, 2014 anymore. We all have seen Bo Levi Mitchell the last couple years. You know, what happens week one or two when Bo Levi, his shoulder goes out or something, God forbid, happens like that? You can make the argument that Trevor Harris was the best quarterback available for the Rough Riders to get, and...
1: They got him, so I think that's a big time green check mark emoji style. You know what I'm talking about? I I put on the Three Down Nation site an opinion piece about a month ago, saying that he's the best fit for the riders based on some of the quotes. And <clears throat> I look like a genius oh, now, yeah, but yeah, yeah. because because the the feedback I got was, why would he leave Montreal? And nobody thought he'd leave Montreal because we didn't realize that the ownership situation would implode the way it has since then. Yeah, and so. Um, but, but, Kelly Jeffrey, all he talked about in his opening press conference as a new o c was how he wants high completion percentage. he wants those short, easy passes. Who's who's a high completion short easy pass guy? <laughs> Trevor Harris. Yep. He set the record in the playoff game a couple years ago uh, with Ottawa at I think it was ninety point one six completion percentage was outrageous. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it it's almost like you're listening to him talk. And I, w- I didn't even pick on it because I would just woke up and I was kind of half asleep and dopey when uh, when we were doing that conference call with Kelly Jeffrey mm-hmm. and. And then when I'm listening back to it a couple of weeks later, I'm like, he sounds like he's talking about Trevor Harris. And then there was another point in there when someone asked him to describe his relationship with Scott Milanovic because he was supposed to work for Edmonton in the 2020 canceled season. And he said, it would have been great. We had all the pieces in place for the perfect offense we wanted. Trevor Harris was going to be our quarterback Mm. and so even though there were reports going around that he liked Dane Evans and blah 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 there was no way on God's green earth that you were going to be able to sell Dane Evans to the fan base after the year he had last year and that matters. Sometimes I, I told Justin Dunk this when he was in town the one time that people from the outside think that we're so blindly loyal here that we'll support whatever they throw on the field. I used to hear Bob McCown talk about how just say the word Saskatchewan or say the word football in Saskatchewan people will show up it doesn't work that way people weren't supporting has. Kevin people, Mason and Michael Bishop people <laughs> I would go to the games I remember to get somebody to come they would only come if we did the Pats game too because yeah. they wanted to go to, the Pats were a bigger draw for a lot of people than the Riders were back then and people here they're great fans but they're smart fans yeah. and, and, and if if I'm guess I'm really offensive, but they see b they know BS when they see it. Mm -hmm. And people here will find other things to do with their time. They will find other things to do with their summer if they don't see progress. So they needed to do something. And the fact and I'm not saying they were wrong to bring back the coach and GM, I think those were good decisions in a lot of ways, because one bad season does not uh, a failing program make however they needed to do something to spark the fan base something to generate and jolt that interest i think trevor harris does it and the fact they've been able to add jake Winicky, i think is another crucial piece to that and we'll just have to wait and see how it all pans out
2: yeah you can make the argument too that if oday reynolds and Dickinson aren't back. Maybe the riders don't even get Trevor Harris because it's win now mentality around here, right? They they're they're going into a contract year. They have to win now, so they they don't get
1: the grace of two or three yeah. years is a point it's, that it's, you're making. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it's no yeah. time
2: to develop anybody. They're gonna yeah. go out and get right. the best, best guy available. So if. I think if we were to have made a coaching change or a GM change, maybe our quarterback wouldn't be Trevor Harris this year. This year, it would be someone
1: else, a young guy, maybe. Standing pat in management areas areas made them force their hand to make win-now changes with the players they have on the field. Very good, astute analysis there. Very nicely put. Time to break. Coming up, we will hear from Glenn Suter on his weekly Monday check-in. This is the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. (laughs) All right, it's
2: 3.31 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed American quarterback Shea Patterson. Patterson signed with the Kansas City Chiefs as an undrafted free agent following the 2020 NFL Draft. In 2021, he played a bit with the Montreal Alouettes and the B.C. Lions, a quick cup of coffee, if you will. And the Riders have also signed American defensive back Leon O'Neal Jr. O'Neill. Neil signed with the San Francisco 49ers as an undrafted free agent in 2022 after 4 seasons at Texas A&M. Sports Cage Coach of the Week, Jason Boyda. Jason has over 20 years of experience coaching, including 12 years with the Yorkton Regional High School. He's coached the Senior Bowl, the U16 SAS Selects, uh, you name it. And Jason is a teacher at Yorkdale Central School in Yorkton. So, Jason, we're fresh off the Super Bowl yesterday. i got to ask you the question. Have you ever been a part of a football game where a call from an official has directly impacted the result of a football game? Because we saw that yesterday. I mean, a phantom, some people would call it a phantom five-yard holding penalty on third down. Gave the Chiefs a first down and basically took the ball out of the hands of uh out of the Eagles. What'd you think of that man?
5: Well you know we've been coaching as long as I have, uh twenty years. You always you always see something new, right? And yeah, unfortunately, I've been a part of a few games where, you know, the players haven't had the opportunity to uh, settle in between the white lines and those, those stripes that the where wear uh, sometimes have a bigger impact than you would like, but hey, that's football.
2: I mean, the whole game, it seemed like the officials kind of stayed out of the way and then right at the end there they decided to throw a flag. Did, did you think that was a penalty? There's a lot of people that say it was. There's a lot of people that say it wasn't. and The player himself after the game actually came out and said, yeah, it
5: was a Penalty? What'd you think? My gut right away told me it was a penalty, and I've always gone with go with what your gut goes with, right? It never mm-hmm. second guess yourself. So I'm I'm saying it's a penalty, but hey, everybody sees things differently, right? But from my perspective, I think it's a penalty.
2: Yeah. So how's the off season going so far for the Thunder man? Miss watching you guys.
5: Well, you know with the off season really now in today's day and age there is really no off season, yep. right? So like. You know the, the boys are training and they're banging and clanging at level ten. You know, Coach Fresh does a great job of getting them kids to be prepared for the upcoming season. Whether they go through their strength phase, their cardio phase, you know, their muscular endurance, their muscular strength. So the, the boys are putting the time and effort in, right, in the weight room because that's where games are first won and lost in the off season. I and mean, then you know we have uh, Zoom meetings throughout throughout the year to slowly install our. Our, our defensive concepts and our, and our system. So we might not be pushing it so hard on, on the field per se, but we're, we're preparing to get ready so we don't have to get ready when the, when the opening kickoff comes.
2: Jason Boyd, a defensive line coach for the Regina Thunder. So what's uh, your unit looking like going into the 2023 season? What can fans expect along the defensive line this year?
5: Well, our our unit is going to have a tremendous motor. The guys work so hard and they're so coachable. They they, they, they really buy into our, our philosophy of that. We play to the echo of the whistle, and it's our job to protect the back end. If we do our job up front, the linebackers and defensive backs, they're able to be successful. So we really believe in our process, in our role that we have within uh, Paul Dawson's uh, defensive uh, system. Um, it's going to be exciting. You know, we have some new young blood coming up. They put their time in, they put the effort in, and I can't wait to watch them uh, uh, get after it uh, when the season opens up.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This
1: is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Still ahead, Braxton Whitehead will join us to talk about the Regina Pats Have a Heart Night. They're going to be around at the different Western pizzas throughout Regina tonight. And also we'll check in with Glenn Suter with his weekly check-in, his final check-in before free agency opens for the 2023 offseason. Tyrone Poole will give us his Work That Thing Player of the Week and go over Super Bowl 57. Hard to believe it's 57 already. I remember the hype leading up to Super Bowl 50. Feels like it was just yesterday. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleising are with you on the sports cage. Speaking of the WHL, there's a story that broke over the weekend about the Moose Jaw Warriors and four players who may have, I, I don't know, it was very vague on the press release. They may have violated conduct policy, etc., etc., Here's what really, really annoys me about this, and this has annoyed me about it for some time, Zinger, is the fact that the age range to play major junior hockey in this country is 16 to 20. Mm -hmm. I have a pretty serious problem with that, because here we are, we're taking these young men, let's be honest, a lot of them are boys, and we're throwing them into the public spotlight where we're putting them on television we're showing profiles we're talking about them on the radio um we're selling tickets we're really really pushing this thing almost like they're professionals and then when something like this happens we're identifying four players and i look over they're not all minors i think two or three of them are adults but now we've identified one of the players who happens to be 17 years old we've basically disgraced and shamed him in the public arena i shouldn't say we i should say the western hockey league yeah well and and no matter what happened whether they did a um, innocent till proven guilty and nobody's been proven guilty but let's pretend they did make a mistake let's pretend something did happen is it really right that somebody who made a poor choice at the age of 17 has their name out in the public eye you, that, that does that doesn't just disappear. Those Google searches yeah. stick around forever. I, I see what
2: you're saying, but at the same, on, on the opposite side of the coin, you got to think here. These are the same players that are they signed up for this because a lot of them they want to go and play in the National Hockey League. So the, this is part of it, Matt. You gotta, you know, you gotta grow up early. You know, despite their age, you're signing up for something where. You know, you're automatically going to be in the public eye. You are every night when you're playing hockey in front of thousands of people. So uh, I see what you're saying. But at the same time, man, uh, you, you got to act accordingly. You, it just can't be all good once you get to the NHL.
1: Like, you know what I mean? So that's my point. You, you, you got to take the bad with the good for sure. And I'm just making the point we got to protect these little punks. Hmm. from themselves by not allowing them to go. And listen, I understand when you watch Connor Bedard, you're wowed, you're amazed, and you're going to say, well, Brendan, if we don't let these kids, these boys play in the WHL, well, then we'll never see the Connor Bedards because they'll go straight from high school right to the NHL. Maybe that's true. Maybe you just apply for exceptional status. Bob Nicholson, who ran Hockey Canada forever, uh, has the same viewpoint on this that I do. He wishes that the age range was more like what you have with college kids, it's no different than you and I do a lot of work with the Regina Red Sox with the age range is you're done high school and while you're in college, you can play because then at that point, you're not a minor anymore. You might have the odd minor who's 18, you know, about to turn 19, whatever, but at least you're dealing with adults. They're very young adults. We have somebody on the uh, on the line. Yep. Western Pizza Hotline. Ian's joining us here. Ian, what's on your mind?
6: Well, I was just thinking about what you just said about the uh, age differences on the players. Yes, sir. Um, the first thing that came to mind was uh, if a young, if a person under the age of 18 creates, does some type of an offense, their name's not released because of the Young Offenders Act. So how do they get away with releasing names of 16 and 17-year-olds if they've done something wrong that might have like, we don't know, I, or I, I haven't heard if there's anything criminal, um, but how is their name released? Like, how, how does, you know, I, I don't understand how the, uh, that gets past the Young Defenders Act and we their names.
1: That's a good point, I mean they're not being identified for doing anything criminal like you said, and maybe that's why maybe it's to make sure that they don't fall into legal jeopardy. It sounds to me like there's some first of all there's probably some rear end covering happening right and it's also it's, pretty yeah. easy
2: as well. You just look at the you
1: look at the lineup which four players aren't out there, oh well it's so and so so and so so and so so and so there you go yeah. you got the names sure, but but I think to his point um. I see what you're saying. Yeah, though. yeah, yep. they, they did. They did release the names. They yeah. said this player, this player, this player, this player. I'm not going to mention the names because I don't know who any of them are. And <laughs> they don't ring a bell to me. I mm-hmm. I knew the names from when I did the uh, the first game, and people can find it if they just Google it, anyways. But but I, I'm with you on that. It's like here we are, we're outing somebody for a mistake that they made, and all I can say is thank goodness I was an absolute nobody when I was 16 or 17 years old because. My name would have been everywhere for all the boneheaded decisions that I would have made. So I'm not saying that what these guys did wasn't serious. We don't know what they did, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be consequences. But I'm with you, I don't like this connection to identifying their names when they're not even adults yet for having done something wrong. Yeah. I thought you were gonna blast me there and you actually agreed with me. So I'm feeling pretty good. Things are coming up, Brendan, on this Monday. (laughs) Well,
6: you know, it's springtime coming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks um, for the call. So the, Sorry, well, you had one more thing? Go ahead. Tattoos. Well, the World Juniors, you know, and all the hullabaloo with, with Hockey Canada, um, all those players, I guess, were over the age. Like, if this is something where the GM or the coach or somebody comes out and says, you know, the the they, these players have done something against the team. Okay, okay well, that's hockey-related. I have no issue with that. But when they come out and they don't say like, it just seems to me let me rephrase this if it is something that is going to involve any type of legality they should not be releasing any names that's my bottom line because then it goes against like I, I, I have issues with the Young Offenders Act, don't get me wrong but there has to be con- um, consistency between how you know junior hockey players are treated just because they're junior hockey players versus what you know, if, if some, a kid down the street from me did the exact same thing, but he's under 18, and his name is protected. So that's that's the only issue i have.
1: Very well put, Ian. I couldn't have said it better myself. We've got we've to move along. Thanks for the call. No problem. Okay. And uh, before we go to break, we'll take one more call from Craig, who's on the Western Pizza Hotline. Craig, what's on your mind?
4: Hey, I know you're on a commercial, so I'll keep it brief. I think, uh, I think it has to do with the, the hot temperature in the room regarding the issue. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things regarding Moose Jaw trying to cover their foot. Uh You look at Hockey Canada and what they've gone through. Uh, there's the, there's a the culture in hockey regarding uh, protecting uh, entitled individuals that uh, do have have the uh, world by the you know what right now, and uh, I think there's accountability on that end in terms of uh, pr- protecting protecting these men uh, and young boys, but also at the same time um, not, uh, like I said, the, te- the temperature in the room is too hot from the from the hockey Canada stuff. I think each organization's been given a memo regarding conduct and how this needs to be treated. Uh, there's too much... There- We're in a cancel culture world, so I get the other side of it where you say there does need to be protection for these 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds because if a name gets out there, we are worried that they are written off or, like you said, innocent until proven guilty, but it almost seems to be the opposite these days. You're guilty until you're proven innocent, but with the wokeness that's going on, there has to be an account for both sides. So I just wanted to touch on that. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Craig. Okay. And um, good points. Boy, I thought that was just going to be a little time filler and uh, we stepped in it. We'll have more when we come back. You are listening to The Sports Cage on The Voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM.
0: You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: Coming up in hour two of the program, we'll hear from Glenn Souter on his weekly Monday check-in. And also Murray McCormick from the Regina Leader Post just confirmed will join us in hour three on the eve of CFL Free Agency to hear what Murray's take is on the happenings around Ryderville and everywhere else in the Canadian Football League. But before we do that, we go on the line to the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, Dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast. From Western Pizza and very fitting... That we do it on the occasion of the Regina Pats Have a Heart Night after a three-year absence in partnership with Western Pizza. From 6 to 8 p.m. tonight, Regina Pat players will be at Western Pizza locations throughout the city, assisting with orders, helping out the staff, delivering pizza to customers. Proceeds from delivery fees and tips will be donated to the Heart and Stroke Foundation. And joining us to talk about that from the Regina Pats is Braxton Whitehead. What location are you going to be at tonight, Braxton.
7: Uh, Tonight, I'll be in the North Albert location. So just right there off of Ring Road. Um, Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast.
1: Very good. Nice to uh, get out and be able to connect with fans, I bet. After all, we've been through the last couple of years.
7: Oh, absolutely. I know uh, me and my teammates are super excited to be out there and helping, you know, for a good cause. And, you know, to meet the, the fans, obviously, is huge for us. And we love doing that. So yeah, we're super excited.
1: Talking about you guys on the ice uh, in the month of February, just one regulation loss in the last five games. Look like, looks like you guys have your mojo back. You've moved up from eighth up to sixth. Uh, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, you'd face Saskatoon in the first round. I think given some of the worst case scenarios that were being kicked around after Christmas, you must feel pretty good about that.
7: Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the locker room, we're all ecstatic and we're, you know, we're excited to get out on the ice and practice, you know, get better every single day. And I think that's showing in our games for sure. So, yeah, we're super excited to be moving up in the standings and uh, we, you know, we want to keep doing so. So, yeah.
1: I, I know there are many great players on that lineup and um, I, I'm never a big fan of everybody just thinking of one name or one guy. I remember traveling around with the Windsor Spitfires many moons ago when a 15-year-old John Taveras was playing with the Oshawa Generals and everywhere he went, everybody just flocked to him and I remember they asked us on Media Row, hey, do, do you guys want to go talk to Johnny T after he gets through these seven interviews? And we kind of looked at each other and just said, no, nah, I think we'll just sit back and we'll just let the circus leave town and let him do his thing. Um, but having said all that, do you and your teammates ever look around at each other and think, wow, we're gonna look back on this and remember watching everything happening with ninety eight or number ninety eight and the circus around it in 15 20 years from now?
7: Oh, absolutely. I mean every single day, you know, I think we're we're trying to cherish it as much as we can. You know, he's a super special player, definitely the most creative and, you know, gifted player that I've ever played with, and I'm lucky to have the opportunity to do so. So I mean, yeah, every single day we try and learn and take as much as we can away from having him around us. And, um, yeah, it's super special that he's here. And, you know, I'm really thankful to be able to say I played on his team. So, yeah.
2: Hey, Braxton, this is Sean Kleisinger here. What's it been like, man, playing at a sold-out barn under the Orange Top at the Brandt Center? I mean, a lot of people at the start of the season were like, hey, why aren't people coming out? Why aren't people coming out? Well, the last couple games, I mean, the atmosphere has been absolutely incredible. Uh, You hear it all the time in professional sports, but let's hear it straight from a player who's actually participating in the game. Does the crowd, or does the crowd, have an impact on you guys out there?
7: Oh, absolutely. Like I think 100%. You know, when we get out there for warm-ups and there's kids hanging on the glass, and you look up in the stands and and it's full up there, and it just gives you kind of an extra adrenaline adrenaline rush I'd say. So um yeah, it's it's super awesome and you know, having the brands that are be packed for the past, you know, three, four games, it's been amazing and you know, just I I love it. You know, the boys love it. it. Just makes us all super excited and, you know, I think it gives us that extra energy boost that we need to, you know, score some more goals and those type of things. So
1: Braxton, here's an opportunity to throw a little bit of glory some of your teammates' way. Um, Other than number 98, uh, who are some names and some players that maybe people who are casual fans and don't follow the Pats every day should know about and should be hearing about? And uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot, and I know you'll have to leave some names out, but um, can you rattle off a few names off the top of your head of uh, players who maybe could use a little bit of recognition for their contributions on this uh, latest revival in the month of February?
7: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think I think all the guys on our team contribute, you know, their fair share and do really well with that. And, you know, I'm really proud to say that I'm an assistant captain on the team that, you know, on this awesome team that where everybody's contrib- contributing. So, um, but, you know, the past month, I would say Drew Sims had a had a great great showing in net. And, you know, it's been awesome having him in net. And, you know, he's been saving the puck a lot and making those extra saves to get us some wins. And then, um, obviously, Sposal and Suze DeLev, uh, our two European imports have just been off the charts, you know, scoring and getting a lot of points for us. And, and also you can throw Ballas in there as well. Borea Ballas has been, um, you know, amazing. He's one of my fellow American buddies on the team. So, yeah, he's been, you know, doing really well with Connor and, um, and playing, you know, just amazing and putting the puck in the back of the net, which is really important to get us those extra points to move up in the standings.
1: There's so much scoring in your guys' games, and I feel like sometimes you guys are a throwback era, kind of the early 80s when goaltending wasn't very good and um, pads were heavy. And I'm not saying True Sim's not a good goalie. Don't misunderstand <laughs> me. I'm just saying because you guys are playing such entertaining hockey. Do you hear that from people that, wow, you know, I don't know if you're the best team in the WHL? You might be. I mean, we'll have to get to the playoffs and see what happens, but you're probably the most entertaining.
7: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the, obviously you know, having somebody like Connor on our team, he's the most creative player I've ever seen, like I mentioned earlier. And um, I really think that he encourages other guys on the team to step up and make some plays that might be out of their comfort zone, which, you know, I think in turn puts on a show for the fans and obviously increases our score a bit. So um, having just the creativity factor in our game, um, you know, rise lately has just been amazing. And I think it shows in the scoreboard and I hope we just keep doing so.
1: You know, we like to pick on and give Dante DiCaria, the broadcaster, a really tough time. I know a couple of weeks ago, Drew Posty and I helped him move some reptiles from his basement (laughs) to his upstairs. And I said, you really need a girlfriend, man, or you need a different hobby. After moving this glass tank that weighed like 500 pounds, Uh, do you guys give him a hard time?
7: Uh, Sometimes, you know, I I personally think everybody has their own... uh own hobbies you know i seem to collect a little bit too many shoes so i think i have 16 pairs here at the billet house a oh, shoe room you know, dante, okay dante has his uh his reptile collection you could say and um you know his is a little bit more i guess you could say <laughs> alive than my hobby but um i think that you know what he's doing is pretty cool there with all the lizards and uh, i hope that he brings them to the rink one day so i can uh take a look at them
1: oh he hasn't done that yet
7: uh, I think he might have done it this year and brought brought it in, but I didn't get the, a chance to see it. So, uh, you know, I hope, I
1: hope he does it again if he does. Super. Okay. Well, hey, listen, this has been great. And, uh, sir, you had one more thing, Zinger? Yeah, so, Braxton, you're
2: going to be at the North location, Western Pizza tonight. Do you know of any other teammates that are going to be with you? And what can uh, people expect if they go there tonight? Are you going to be making a pizza pie? Are you going to actually be making the pizzas? Are you going to be signing autographs? Just give us a glimpse on what's going to be happening tonight, man.
7: Yeah, so I think we're going to be doing a little bit of it all. I think that we'll be making some deliveries for call-in orders, and I think I I really hope that we're going to be able to make a pizza because I always enjoy doing that. So, um, yeah, I think that we'll be delivering, and then we'll be doing some dine-in stuff, and also you know making the pizzas. So it'd be awesome to see some fans walk in, and I think we'll be able to sign some stuff for them. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Okay, supper tonight from Western Pizza. Anytime from 6 to 8. Who knows? You might meet Braxton or one of his Regina Pat teammates. Thanks for doing this, Braxton. Good luck this weekend. Of course. Thank you. Okay, that is Braxton Whitehead from the Regina Pats. For Western Pizza, dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast. From Western Pizza. Nice young man. Very well spoken. He's from
2: Alaska, which is pretty cool. Born and raised in Palmer, I think. Palmer, Alaska. Played... His minor hockey in Anchorage, that's pretty sweet, man. Never been up to
1: Alaska before, but uh, that's something. I want to go see a polar bear or something, you know? Different universe up there. I know um, you might remember from the Regina Red Sox, Grant Dowdy, the pitcher. He's from Arizona. He'd come up. He was just, you know, like a lot of the athletes don't want to talk on the microphone. Some of them are different to it, and then there's a few who are just... Itching to get on. He would just always sit
2: up in the press box. That's the guy, right? Yeah, and he
1: he always had the excuse that he wanted to use the radar gun, but he wanted to come on. So finally, we brought him on, and he was terrific as an analyst. But he uh, he's now a cop in Alaska, and he's from Arizona. So it's a whole different universe up there. Okay, he loves it, but. yeah, tonight from 6 till 8 at Western Pizza. Uh, if you want to bump into Braxton or any of his Regina Pat teammates, time to break. News is next. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM.
0: Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire.
1: Hour 2 carries on for Andrew Sherritt Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherratt.com. Still ahead, Glenn Suter with his weekly Monday check-in. We'll also hear from Murray McCormick from the Regina Leader Post on the eve of CFL Free Agency 2023, and two-time Super Bowl champion from the New England Patriots many moons ago, Tyrone Poole, will join us uh, later tonight as well to give us his rundown on Super Sunday and give us his Work That Thing player of the week but right now we go out onto the western pizza hotline and join from the Edmonton Oilers radio network Bob Stauffer who's been covering the Oilers and their little bit of good little bit of bad road trip. Bob did you get a chance through all this to watch the Super Bowl yesterday?
8: Uh, Yeah Brendan we stayed uh, in Montreal after the game and uh, watched the entire game and I will tell you that I was quite disappointed that Stripes selected to make the call they did in that situation when they hadn't called a hold the entire second half of that football game. Uh, you know you know the old line and I, I didn't just do hockey play-by-play, I did football play-by-play as well. I know I've talked about it with Baldy over the years and um, I, I want to see the players decide the outcome of the game and they took a, a possession opportunity away from the Eagles at the end of that game and pretty much handed the Chiefs uh, the Super Bowl championship by making that call. and uh, I do think that there's there's game situations that officials have to read, and I also hate the fact in the NFL that when they award the Super Bowl, they give it to the orange settle players because we're all there to watch the players.
1: Oh, that is so pathetic, isn't it? I've hated that forever, and that's a great Canadian tradition that we have where we give it to the stars that the fans actually want to see it awarded to, not some third, fourth-generation... Some cases, 90-year-old owner who nobody's even heard about, nobody cares about, and nobody recognizes, but that's here nor there. I almost wonder if um, the view you just gave about letting the players play is... um more predominant in canada than it is in the united states because that's the hockey in us isn't it for so many years our referees well, agreed you let the guys play it out and i'm not saying it's right or wrong but boy i feel like uh, from from the people i've talked to today and from zinger i i feel like north of the border people people didn't like the way that game ended
8: uh yeah i didn't like the way the game ended i mean it was a heck of a game that's the wrong way for it to end i mean those two teams were going up and down the field and I mean, Mahomes, frankly, exceeded, you know, my expectations in terms of what I thought he'd be capable of, given the injuries. But you shouldn't underestimate Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm a huge Alabama fan, and Jalen Hurts actually lost his starting job to Tua Tagovailoa, of came off the bench, and the national championship came of the year they beat Georgia in, uh, in overtime. And, uh, but, you know, Jalen has probably been better than I think a lot of people thought he was going to be at the NFL level it was a good game, and the Eagles become only what the second team and twenty-eight uh, teams have a you know a, a two uh, a two-score lead uh, at the half and lose the game. But saying that, they should have had an additional possession and a chance to at least tie the game. So I didn't like it. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I get frustrated because I get to watch the greatest, you know, the most transformative. Uh, advanced player that this game has ever seen on a nightly basis, Connor McDavid, and for eight straight playoff games, the four in the bubble against Chicago, and the four in the series against Winnipeg, Connor could not get a call. My frustration is, in the case of hockey, what is a penalty in the first period of the playoffs often isn't a penalty as the game wears on, and conversely, what happened here... In the super bowl is they weren't calling it all game long and then a little tug they call in the most important i just it just befuddles me and that's therein lies the rub to my end
1: just one last thing about the super bowl and we'll be done beating that dead horse uh, i feel like canadians can be proud of the fact that under cfl rules that probably wouldn't have destroyed the end of the game like it did down there can, can we at least celebrate that bob
8: uh, well, I'd say you know from my end, uh, the CFL is not the same CFL, and I'm older than you, Brendan, so it's, it's not it's not the same CFL that I grew up watching. And, and part of it is you know I mean I'm in Edmonton, and I, I got to watch Warren Moon, and there's a reason he came out of Don James' program uh, out of Washington. And Don James actually Nick I mentioned Alabama, Nick Saban I was on Don James' coaching staff. Don James might have the greatest coaching tree in NCAA college football history. So he was he was a very progressive thinker. Uh, And Warren Moon had to come to Canada because there weren't opportunities for black quarterbacks. Well, now obviously there are. And, you know, we had a matchup between, you know, two African-American quarterbacks, and I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan and 30 years ago, those 40 years ago, those guys had to prove themselves in Canada first. I mean, Conridge Holliday was the first uh, black quarterback in the SEC back in the 70s in Tennessee before he played for the Ottawa Rough Riders. And, and, and I actually think one of the things that's happened here is the NFL has opened up their game for offense, it's made it more entertaining. They've kept the best athletes on the field in their game because they are more open. Uh, and obviously they, there's no longer as much of a barriers or once was there. And conversely, I don't think the CFL, with all due respect to the product, and I know your station carries it, our station does at Edmonton too, um, I don't think it's quite as entertaining as it used to be because simply put, they don't have the same caliber of quarterbacks that are dual threat out there that they used to have.
1: Yeah, definitely don't have the res- or the access to certain quarterbacks that they did even 20 years ago, for sure. That yeah. has definitely changed. Okay, um, so as I was scrolling around, I looked on uh, some TSN site uh, that had a headline. Um, Stauffer thinks that the East is better, but the Oilers can win the West. What makes you think the Oilers can win the West this year? I was on a
8: TSN headline. I did not know that.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'll send you the link. (laughs) uh,
8: Well, I do think the East is better, and I think if you take a look at any of the power rankings around the National Hockey League, I mean, yeah, look, I broadcast games for a Western Conference team, uh, but the general consensus is the top three or four teams in the league are in the Eastern Conference. In fact, maybe three of the top five are in the same division. That's the one that the Leafs are in uh, with You know, Boston's had an exceptional season. They they haven't dealt with a lot of adversity. Toronto has dealt with some adversity and been pretty good. And Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. I mean, Julian Breezeball, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, is ruthless. And this is a team that always gets ahead of other teams. You think of the additions that they had when they got Coleman and Goodrow about three years ago and got those guys for multiple Stanley Cup runs. Last year, they went and stole Hagel from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, They actually gave up a couple first-rounders. But those are Tampa Bay first rounders. Those are late first round picks. I think the Eastern Conference, Carolina is a very good team. The Eastern Conference is good. Colorado is not as deep and as good a team as they were a year ago. Uh, They were better than Edmonton last year in round three, and the Oilers did not have Leon Drysettle and Darnell Nurse at 100%. Edmonton, I think, can win the, the Western Conference in the regular season, and. Potentially went in the playoffs. I mean, they were a Final Four team last year. I think, even despite the fact they missed Duncan Keith a little bit, I think they're a little bit more settled in goal right now. I'll throw the game out there yesterday in Montreal because I've been doing this for 15 years, and long before I was doing the Oilers color. I mean, I did a drive show talking about the Oilers on a daily basis. Good teams in the league have four or five tough games a year, where that just happens. That's the inevitability. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks. In the 11-12 season, came to Edmonton twice and got beat by not a very good Edmonton team, 9-2 and 8-4. In one of those games, Sam Garnier had eight points. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the Oilers can win the West. I think they need to continuously, incrementally improve their team, but I think it's there for them to go get.
1: Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network for Western Pizza, dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. So is it maybe a product of the fact that we're just looking at the teams above the Oilers in the West, and some of them, like Colorado you mentioned, maybe just don't scare us like they did a year ago?
8: Well, well, I mean, take a look at just the points right now, like how I mean, Edmonton's within striking distance of you know Dallas and Winnipeg on the on the central side, uh, and they can reel in Vegas and you know you know they they got a chance to reel in Vegas. I mean, that's the only team that's ahead of them right now in the Pacific Division. So, in Vegas just lost uh, Logan Thompson; he's out week to week in goal. Um, I think Winnipeg's a pretty good club. Like you know, they got Connor Hellebuck. he's a, he's an excellent goaltender. He's won obviously won the best in the Trophy. Uh, and they can score a bit and their defense uh, the Oilers to me have got one possibly two more moves coming it's going to be a, it's going to have to be money in money out because they're in LTIR but would you bet against a team that's got Connor McDavid and Leon settle? I mean look what happened last year against Calgary Flames were the overwhelming uh, favorite in that series and Leon went out and had 17 points on one leg in five games so you know, I don't think Leon's at, been at the same level this year because he didn't get a full offseason training uh, but you know, I just think that the orders are progressing and Ken Holland is continuous. And I wouldn't always say this about Edmonton. Like, it was, there was some, Brennan, there were some tough years there, you know, 2010 to even in 13, 14, 14, 15. The plan was never to be coming in 28th out of 30th in back to back years, which they did. And they won the lottery the one year when they got Dry settled third in 2014. And obviously, they literally won the lottery when they got McDavid and jumped up to number one in 2015. But, uh, you know, the Oilers are in their cycle where they're graduating players out of the minors that are helping them, like Vincent D'Arnais. They've got some good young prospects on the team right now, like Broberg and Holloway. No team in the league's got four players with 60 or more points this season. At Edmonton, they've got the best power play in the league. They're shaving goals against down, and they've been a much better player team after Christmas. So, yeah, I think they
1: can win the division. I have to confess, I'm a Canuck fan, and, uh, well, I gave up on them about four or five years ago, and I'm thinking about maybe reconnecting with them when I see those beautiful skate unis that they've been trotting out lately. But for those of us who are maybe casual Oiler fans or Oiler viewers, I should say, um, what about Evander Kane? I was hearing a while back, I know he had to miss the one game um, for some personal issues, then he had some injury issues before. He was dynamite last year for them late in the season and in the playoffs. Uh, how's he looking now? Does he look like he's 100%?
8: I can't believe he came back as fast as he did. I mean, that was a significant injury. Anytime you get, uh, you know, uh, some arteries severed uh, by a skate cut. That's, it's scary. Uh, you know, he's a quick healer. He scored 35 goals in 58 games in the regular season of playoffs last year. Uh, and Edmonton was a different... And that's the other part of the equation for this year that people forget. At one point, the Oilers were down four forwards. Now, every team has injuries, but the Oilers, you know, they didn't have Kane. They didn't have Yamamoto. Those guys are in their top six. And they didn't have McLeod and Fogel, who were part of their third line. So, uh, Kane has come back. Um, he's got four goals in his last five games, and he's had a fight, which tells you maybe a bit worse. I mean, he went and fought Brady Kachuk, who's, you know, he's a pretty big man that is a pretty, to me, plays a little bit more. I, I like both the Kachucks, but Brady plays a little bit more honorable game. And as for Vancouver funny we were out there and i'm like you know guys it's never as bad as you think it is when it's going bad and it's never, it's never as good as you think it is when it's going good and then all the vancouver media told me no bob you're wrong it's worse than you <laughs> think it is here right now so uh i found that interesting i still can't believe the decision they made with jt miller over bo horvat um i get it you know miller had a 99 point season but to me horvat was you the know, leader of the team eventually that has to become uh Elias Pettersson's team, you know, he's he's generating. Like this year, we got six defensemen at better than point per game. We haven't seen that for a while. And the big question in Vancouver is what's the long term situation with Dr. Demko because there's been, you know. Rumblings out there that he might be in play, and that would be shocking because I thought at the start of the year you can make an argument that Vancouver might have had the best number one goalie in, in the division, and that has not come to fruition this season.
1: I love the the line you use. They say it's usually never as bad as you think, and in Vancouver they're saying it's worse than you think. Hey, I'm a fan of the Denver Broncos and the Vancouver Canucks, so that's been the story of my la- my life as a sports fan for the last You're young then, six months. The
8: Broncos were really good for a while in the late nineties. So
1: <laughs> yeah, we got we got spoiled. To
8: Pat Bowlen owned the team, so my uncle used used to work for uh, Mr. Boland. Fred Fleming? Uh, in, uh, no, that's, oh, okay. Fred Fleming is not my uncle. Uh, okay. My uncle is a guy named Mal Rackham Abrappoli that played football at Ricks, which is a feeder school to bring him young. And he worked for Boland and Matoni, who built the Edmonton uh, Northlands Coliseum back in the late, uh, early 1970s. So he was in, uh, how do I politely say this, collections. Uh, <laughs> he was a big dude himself. But, uh, you know, that's... That, the Broncos were a real good, I mean, it went to you-know-what this year. It was just a disaster there, that Russell Wilson trade. But there's a heavy, Freddie Fleming, as you know, huge Edmonton influence over the years. A lot of Bronco fans did Edmonton to this day.
1: Yeah, we used to have Fred Fleming on the radio, and uh, he was always a blast to talk to. Hey, one last thing. Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit. We talk so much about Connor Bedard, and uh, of course, uh, one wears number 97, the other wears number 98. They're both named Connor, and yet I keep hearing, well, he's not going to be as good as McDavid. Let's be clear about that. What do you know about Connor Bedard, and can you identify the major differences between the two?
8: I believe that Connor Bedard, and you, and Brendan, I, again, I'm giving up. some. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. For the old-school listener out there right now in Regina, I have a comparable player, and this guy was a hell of a player, and that's Marcel Dion. Uh, Marcel Dion had 10 40-goal seasons in the NHL uh, and 1,700 career points. And Marcel's only problem was he was in Detroit and Los Angeles. He was on the triple crown line. But when you watch their, you know, Stockier, build unbelievable shot. Now, one advantage Bedard has is he's using today's weapons. Like what I notice with him is he can change release points on shots, change angles, and he's got a you know gets unbelievable torque off uh, when he when he shoots the puck. And he is a kid that has mastered the art of today's stick, and so he can do stuff like he, I'm completely convinced. I'll, I'll make it real quick. When, when in 1415, the Oilers were having a crappy year, and I went into Erie, we put Chris Nablock in Erie that year, or the year before to coach the team. And I asked Derek Roy, you know, he was on our team that year. I said, Derek, how many points do you think that McDavid would have in the NHL? He goes, Oh, well, this year it's a 17-year-old. He'd have a 70-point campaign, stuff like he's that good. And, and but I would, when I see Bedard play, to me, when you can excel ahead of your age group like that, there's no like he's going to be, he's going to score. There's no question in my mind now, does he get moved off to right wing? I don't know, but I, I think he's going to be very productive. Does he have the same skating ability as McDavid? No, nobody does, but he's got better finishing ability at the same age. Like he's got a shot that's closer to Austin Matthews than it is to McDavid. I would not bet against Connor Bedard scoring 40 goals in the NHL in the rookie season. I think he's that good.
1: Wow. Well, I mean, we'll uh we'll end it on that note, but I think the fans would be uh would be happy with that. And I think Connor, his parents, his agent would be happy with that in the comparison you just made to Marcel Dion. Hey, this has been fun. We'll uh we'll talk to you again next week. Sure, Brandon. Thanks for your time. Okay, that is Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network for Western Pizza, Dine-In, take out or Delivery. Get it hot, get it fast. From Western Pizza, time to break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. If that paint that we've seen, guys, listen, I'm not trying to jinx Harrison. He's a former teammate of mine in Carolina. I don't wish anything on anyone, but for the lead.
5: Butcher, up, got it!
2: Kansas City Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker puts it through the uprights, and the Kansas City Chiefs win their third-ever Super Bowl with a 38-35 to victory over the Philadelphia Eagles last night from Glendale, Arizona. Harrison Butker, a game-winning field goal in the Super Bowl? That's good enough for a sports cage clutch performance for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, rogator, gleaner, and fan dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077.
0: The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan
1: Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Monday edition of the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherritt Limited, providing plumbing HVAC and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherritt.com still ahead, Glenn Suter, Murray McCormick and Tyrone Poole. And don't forget, you can join in through the SportsCage Twitter feed, at SportsCage. Brought to you by Molson Coors. This winter, try Granville Island Lionsgate Ale with robust notes of cocoa, caramel and vanilla. Please enjoy their product responsibly. And apparently we have a few texts from the text line. Is that right, Yes, Singer? sir. I think I will have one of those, by the way. And that sounds pretty tasty. Mike's on the text line.
2: Mike's This is about the Super Bowl now. Uh, It was a hold at the end of the story. The Eagles didn't show up in the second half. End of story. If you blame the refs, you are a loser. Says Mike. So what is it? It's 426 on February 13th, Brendan, and I have officially been called a loser. (laughs) So uh, that's that. Not the first time. Won't be the last. No, it's not. Brent in Strasburg, Saskatchewan. What up, Brent? Bang on, Brent says with the comment about how in the CFL the bad call would not have been so final. Ridiculous how they ran out. Uh, sorry I'm just rearranging some words here in the text ridiculous how they ran out of bounds on a touchdown run so they could uh kill the clock. I think he's referring to when he slid on like the th- oh yeah three or the uh, three or or the close to the goal line yeah. before
1: he got in the end zone yeah for sure and then we got another one here
2: we got about a minute uh Ken says Ken and Regina hey Zenger, you should have Bob Stoffer on every day. That was an absolute beautiful interview. Keep it up, Ken and Regina. Well, you got to give Brendan McGuire the props here. I, did, I just sat back and relaxed, man. But, yeah, Bob Stauffer is an amazing dude, and we love having him on. The thing I love about Bob, Brendan McGuire, is he could talk football. He mm-hmm. could talk hockey. He could talk marbles. He could talk darts. I just threw those last two in there. But he could talk any type of
1: sport. That would turn me off if he wanted to talk darts or marbles. Yeah. But- Either that's amazing or, how that but, stuff's
2: on tv sometimes huh and they get fired up when they get it like right in the middle they're
1: like oh man that's just cringeworthy but anyways so that's from ken and Regina all on the capital gmc buick cadillac text line and of course you can still join in uh 306 936 i'm just going to throw this out there yeah i have no problem with the call that was made in the game i give the eagles their coaching staff and bradbury The guy who got it, he said, instead of whining and, you know, swearing at the raft, they just said it was holding. I thought it would slide. Let's just get on with it. So I give them a lot of credit for that. And I also, I'm not a believer in just let them play it out because... I'll never forget watching San Jose and Calgary in a game seven in double overtime and when they were just letting them play it out. (laughs) And German Titov had a wide open net, and I forget who it was from the Sharks, tackled him in front of the net, and they said, you know, he just took away a bona fide scoring chance there. Maybe they shouldn't just let him play it out. Well, I think but it's like
2: it just needs 50. to be like completely obvious. I think that's what people are kind of like on the fence about because it's... Let the I mean, ticky-tack
1: stuff go yeah, in the last Be two honest, it was,
2: it, was, it was pretty close, right? Yeah. So like, unless he gets tackled from behind, don't was, throw the flag.
1: That was kind of like in the Eastern Final. There was a one play where his hand sort of grazed his face mask. Um, Mikey Moore, mm-hmm. the uh, linebacker for the Alouettes, yeah. and the Argos were able to run out the And box, by the way, so.
2: Glenn Suter has a strong take about the the call which happened glenn does not think it was a penalty and that's
1: going to be coming up here in a couple minutes so beauty we'll look forward to that time to break news is next you're listening to the sports cage on the voice of saskatchewan 620 ckrm All right,
2: it's 4.32 with the sports ticker. Five games in the National Hockey League tonight. The Calgary Flames are in Ottawa to take on the Sens. The Canucks host the Red Wings. The Predators welcome the Coyotes to Music City, USA. Panthers and Wild and a late one on the West Coast with the LA Kings taking on the Buffalo Sabres. The Toronto Raptors are off tonight, but have a date on Valentine's Day tomorrow versus the Orlando Magic. Like what I did there? Monday CFL report and we are just one day away from the quote unquote official start of free agency players can finally put pen to paper starting tomorrow Here's Michael Ball with Luke Mullender. So I wanted Geno here. Like, I like Geno. I've had personal conversations with him. Yeah. He's a good guy, and he's got a great story, and he's, mm. an, he's the best receiver in the league, in yeah. my opinion. But I'd rather have two linemen that set up one $300,000 right. receiver.
0: Right. I'd, I'd, I'd rather go after linemen. I like the, what the Riders are doing. Uh, they went and got that depth uh, offensive Lofton, tackle. Lofton, guys. Lofton, Eric I mean, Lofton you, out of, a, you, out of uh, you, uh, Winnipeg. This is an opportunity for him. I mean, you look to his current um, playing experience, and he's, a, he's been a spot guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, we need you to bridge the gap yeah. for one game. right? He's played four games last year, I think. Played four games the year before. right? You're going to have an opportunity to a offensive line that's looking for tackles to prove you're either starter or, or you're going to be a depth guy. right? So, I think the more they can do that, the more they avoid last year. Last year, I think that, um, I mean, we all saw um, how bad our right tackle was last year. Ty um, Rogers. Ty Rogers. But one of the reasons why is because there was no competition in camp.
2: Well, speaking of competition, the Rough Riders have added some in the quarterback room, signing American quarterback Shea Patterson today. Patterson signed with the Kansas City Chiefs as an undrafted free agent following the 2020 NFL Draft. And then in 2021, he played for the Montreal Alouettes and the BC Lions. During his time in Montreal, he was primarily used as a short yardage quarterback, seen action in five games, and he recorded 11 carries for just 18 yards. So add Shea Patterson to the quarterback room for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders.
9: Every time Saskatchewan gets in second and all, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter, he runs it up.
0: It's time for press coverage as former rider Grace and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and
1: passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. And Glenn Suter joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline for his regular Monday checkup. And Suits, I understand you have some very kind words for the officials from yesterday's Super Bowl. <laughs>
10: Yeah, we got a lot to unpack here. So, uh, you know, let's dig into this because, you know, first of all, I wanna I wanna start by, you know, just stating that that I don't believe for a second that you should call a game differently in the first quarter than you do in the final two minutes. I, I don't believe that you let them play in overtime or whatever. Uh, and I and I honestly don't think that one play. Uh, can, can be the only thing that determines the outcome of a football game when there's so many other opportunities at different times. But having said that, um, you know, I didn't think this flag should have been thrown. And the discussion about it, again, a lot to unpack here, but the discussion about it really involves the interpretation and execution of the penalty, not just what's in the rule book. Because when you when you are looking at, especially in football, when you're looking at every rule or foul that is called, it is a judgment called by the official. So in other words, the refs have to make a judgment as to whether or not what they're seeing is enough to warrant uh, a penalty flag. Because a penalty flag has tremendous consequences, as you know. So I also want to keep in mind through this discussion that... If we took a snapshot or stopped a play any play in football, you would see between the 11 on 11 or 12 on 12 players, you would see multiple examples of where offensive or defensive players are straddling the line between what is a foul and what is not a foul. And the reason for that is because of the physicality of football. That you know, hands get out of position pretty quickly, and as long as you make those adjustments in real time, in split seconds, you can then be caught in a foul. In other, you know, think about hands to the face for an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman. Hands to the face shouldn't draw a penalty flag if you remove it immediately. If if your hand slides up and then you leave it there and you gain an advantage by keeping it there, then now a penalty flag is warranted. So that's why in a lot of reasons, or for, you know, more than one reason, I think this penalty flag in this game should not have been thrown. Those two players, Juju Smith and James Bradbury, were, were both trying to work to get the best body position to make a play on the football. And if you look, and I did today, I looked it back up on the NFL rule book exactly what the language is so in the in the rule book the language is if the db grabs jersey that could be enough to warrant a penalty flag if an offensive receiver gives a subtle push or a push to the db that is also enough to uh, to generate a flag for offensive pass interference so i go back and i look at the play and i analyze the play Juju Smith runs that inside route. He puts his hand on on Bradbury and gives him a subtle push. Bradbury grabs his jersey, not enough to impede or redirect him, but does grab his jersey. And then he has, I'm talking Juju Smith, he has about a yard advantage behind Bradbury immediately after this all happens. So now you continue with the play. Another reason why I don't think the penalty flag should have been called. Now you continue with the play and that ball bounced midway through the end zone when it hit the turf at the time that it would have been catchable by Juju Smith. Juju Smith was about the one or two yard line going in. That's about six yards, seven yards away from the football. So technically in that he wasn't really impeded to the ball or redirected to the ball, that ball was really not catchable. So those things combine to the judgment that the official has to make, in my opinion. And that's where I say, when I looked at that play over and over again, I said, you know, and I would have described it this way. There wasn't enough either way, a push by Juju Smith, or the grab of the jersey by James Brad, Bradbury, there wasn't enough to warrant a penalty flag. Because the moment you throw your flag as an official and you make the judgment that a player in this particular scrum, wherever it is, a player gained advantage because of what he did illegally. He gained an advantage, and that's why i got to throw my penalty flag. I don't think there was advantage gained here either way. The ball was real questionable as to whether or not it was catchable. And for those reasons, the flag should never have been thrown. Now, unfortunately, with the NFL and the way the time clock is and the 40-second huddles, that penalty flag, which never should have been thrown, changes what could have been a fantastic finish to an outstanding game because it was a good football game.
1: Glenn Suter joins us for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. I caught the 30 for 30 over the weekend, the Bullies of Baltimore, about the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. And of course, that was um, just a whole other animal unto itself. They didn't score an offensive touchdown for weeks and weeks, and uh, but had probably the most amazing defense ever. And they're all sitting around. And Trent Dilfer, who is the quarterback of that team, he said, you know, I watched these quarterbacks today. And um, yeah, they put up the big Big numbers but you know in today's nfl you can't reroute receivers you can't do this you can't do that and yeah maybe it's aesthetically pleasing but it's not impressive he got a standing ovation and the example of what you just talked about glenn um, made me think well maybe he has at least a bit of a point um i'm a three down loyalist and when i say that the cfl rules are superior to the nfl rules it's because i believe it and what that game taught me was or sorry the consensus that came out of that game was that a lot of the folks that i'm hearing from are saying this was a better super bowl overall the game was better but the ending in the gray cup game was much better and i thought to myself the cfl clock rules could have saved that finish what do you think
10: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely because you know when when the play happened it was third and eight with about a minute 55 to go in the game now in the the CFL you could get in the final two minutes two possessions I remember scoring in a game against the Calgary Stampeders when Doug Flutie was playing we scored three times inside of two minutes to finish the game and win uh, and a come from behind win uh, in Saskatchewan and so yeah, the you know there's listen there's good and bad games in both leagues. Both championships I thought were excellent games. I mean it, it was just so disappointing that because of the the clock rules and four downs and forty second huddles um, in the NFL, you 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 can't once once the flag was thrown it took away any chance for a final possession you know by the you know by the eagles so so you're you're looking at you know real good quarterback play in this game from both guys you know good scoring in different ways i thought it was a very interesting exciting game anytime it's one possession i've always said whether it's low scoring or high scoring if it's a one possession game going into the final 5 minutes it's a great football game and that was and then this, and because of the the rules in the NFL, this one flag cha- changed what could have been a super dramatic finish. Had it been CFL rules, and if you want to make the comparison, the CFL, because of its timing and three downs, you can have three possessions in two minutes. And that's why it could have been a different outcome. But, uh, you know, again, I, I think... The, the bigger discussion here is, the, you know, when we have super slow-mo and you can freeze-frame something and you can say, well, if I read the rule book, this is what it says, and therefore that technically was a penalty. No, it wasn't because there wasn't enough to warrant a penalty flag. There was a push by Juju Smith, a subtle little push when he made his cut, and then there was a slight grab by Bradbury, neither of which – were enough to generate a penalty flag, which took away a full possession for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's why that was a bad penalty. That's why the rules, I think our rules, will always give a more opportunity for a big finish, a dramatic finish. Like we saw in the Great Cup, it doesn't always happen, just like it doesn't always happen in the NFL. But our rules create more opportunity for that.
1: You know, uh, what you just said there about how you can have so many possessions in the final three minutes in the CFL, it made me think of a line from Cody Fajardo, uh, what, uh, who said that he, pretty well that exact same thing uh, during the 2021 season when there was all the complaining about the rules and maybe should they change it, etc. And uh, what a nice segue that is to uh, a story where Cody has said goodbye to Ryder Nation ahead of expected free agent departure. Um, you know, I had heard a while back that there was a brouhaha where he had blocked uh, Michael Ball on uh, Twitter. I didn't think much of it. That just happens. Sometimes people say things on the radio or wherever else. And um, so yesterday I go to see what's Cody saying on Twitter. I hadn't been on it. I don't go on there. I, I have less followers probably than 90% of our audience. And uh, I see Cody Fajardo has blocked you on Twitter. So I go in our little chat group with Three Down Nation and I said, he. I got blocked on Twitter. And then one by one, each of the other writers are saying, he blocked me too. And I spoke to a few other um, local reporters. And then I, you know, when I got over the initial heartbreak of being blocked on Twitter, um, I started to think, you know what? It's probably for the better because I felt like he was just on there way too much. Uh, he was getting. His mental health I thought took a beating. that's what it looked like to me. is this a classic case of the Regina the Saskatchewan media market chewing up a quarterback and spitting him out?
10: Well it's an interesting discussion I, I you know I, I think when Cody opened up to you know discussions on on Twitter and things like that with fans and stuff, um, you know, you could you could argue that it was a mistake because it's, it really takes you down so many different rabbit holes that can be very distracting. But, you know, I, I don't think we should ask professional athletes to give us great comments in front of microphones or give us those great interviews and open up about how they're feeling. And then when they do open up about how they're feeling, we tell them that they're, you know, mentally weak or that, you know, they're they're too soft. Um, you know, I, I, I hey, if it, if if we got upset every time, I, for, first of all, I never knew you could see when someone blocks you. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know so, that either
1: till till yesterday. Yeah, yeah.
10: because <laughs> because there there are there are a bunch of fans out there that would have seen Glenn Suter just blocked you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: checking right now.
10: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I haven't blocked you. Um, but hey, you know what? Cody looks like he's got an opportunity. And again, none of these contracts that we've talked about for potential free agents are done until they're done. I mean, they're only done when they're signed on free agent day, um, no matter what the speculation is. But it does look like he's going to end up in Montreal. It'll be a fresh start for him. Listen, Cody is a good football player, he's a great guy. He was excellent in the community. Remember all the corndog thing and all that stuff that went on? And he's Mm -hmm. mentioned that in that note you saw on Twitter. You know, I I think it'll be great when Montreal plays Saskatchewan, if that's how it turns out. And the two quarterbacks have swapped teams. And, um, you know, it it makes for some great storylines. But... I, I got it. I I love this. Is what I love about Cody Fajardo, I, I think he laid it on the line. I think he put it out there that he gave you everything he had as a Saskatchewan, you know, fan base. And you know, you could say he was on the media on Twitter too much, and it may have distracted him. I'm not sure. Only he knows the answer to that. But um, you know, as far as a form the former player in me, Cody Fajardo was a tough guy who who put it all on the line and I, I that's a that's a good teammate
1: guy who wanted to be in Saskatchewan that's for sure and uh, not every quarterback you or you couldn't say that about every quarterback who is here we'll analyze more about this Saskatchewan Montreal free agent quarterback swap on the other side you're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM
0: It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio,
1: 620 CKRM. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball for the next couple of weeks. And we now go out onto to the Western Pizza Hotline where we are joined for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Glenn Suter. Uh, Glenn, you played a decade all with one team. As we're on the eve of free agency, I would be remiss if I did not ask you, did you ever come close to leaving the riders through free agency?
10: Not, not from my camp ever. Um, you know, I, I love playing there. I love the fan base as, as tough as it can be, as we just mentioned with what Cody went through first, the good and then the bad. Um, it, it can be challenging at times, but it, it's only because of the passion and because of that passion, when you, when you step away and you take a sort of a 10,000 mile away view or, a, or a white weather balloon view, Uh, (laughs) just don't get shot down yeah exactly you uh you know you start to you start to understand you know that it's a good thing that they're that passionate so no to answer your question i i i never really came close i i didn't after my first year i i didn't have an agent any longer i just didn't think it it would be you know uh, it's, it was worth the cost, I guess, to get an agent. I thought I felt like I could talk to guys like Al Ford myself, knowing that when you're in negotiation, it can be difficult to hear the GM say, hey, we could replace you with this guy if we wanted to, you know, just to try and make sure he can pay you less money and you can try to get more money. But um, I always went in with this, with the first you know line being, I want to stay here. I want to be the safety here. I love playing in this team. And especially around the '89 year, that was a great locker room for a lot of reasons. And, and you know, I think Winnipeg now and and their culture and their chemistry in that locker room, and guys like Kenny Lawler, who who it sounds like would like to return to Winnipeg in free agency, you know, that that tells me that the culture is is what we think it is. And we had that in '89, and, and I didn't want to leave.
1: Yeah, well, and you you see that with with different players. I mean, some of them will spend their whole careers in one spot, and I'm sure they're willing to do the give and take that it requires to do that. And I also like the fact that you pointed out that you represented yourself because I feel like if you're able to do that and you have the confidence to do that, you probably become a little more well-rounded as to how the sports world works and maybe overall um, the world as a whole. Uh, I wanted to ask you about um, where we sit today. We said coming into free agency – a lot of us said that the riders needed to bring something to their fan base to get them excited. I remember Don Hewitt talking about that on the postgame show late in the season. He told one caller, it's the riders management to excite you and they're going to have to figure that out. And the fact that they stuck with the same management team, as Zinger pointed out, that almost put a sense of urgency to say, we have to be in win now mode right now the fact that they went out and they probably got the most coveted free agent quarterback on the market and the fact that they found an offensive lineman from winnipeg eric lofton and we're hearing philip blake to come from the argos do you feel like the rider fans can be comfortable in knowing that this has worked out as well as it could have
10: well i think if those things you know end up becoming truth then then yeah I, I you know I always wanted there there's always been the stories of players who have changed their mind you know just before free agency and and you know gone to a different team but uh, yeah if if you know I thought Bo I mentioned was probably the first and most coveted quarterback and see C- to see if he would go to free agency but he wasn't in the category as you mentioned because he wasn't a free agent he was under contract so it It changes it, but he was sort of the number one name and then once he decided, then Trevor Harris became the next one so if if that happens you know here here's here's the reality versus the perception of the reality. The reality is that it it'll be about chemistry this there will be a lot of great athletes in camp on both sides of the ball and on special teams for the riders. It'll be about how the coordinator and the coaching staff work with the players and Making sure that they build a program and a, and a playbook that best suits their their abilities and Trevor Harris's ability if he ends up a Saskatchewan Rough Rider and then and then they have to go out and earn it and and hopefully that's really entertaining and hopefully they're in the fight every single game and the reality is there might be some new young names that emerge that really become the stars early in the football season but the perception of success in free agency gets down to that resume and what players have on their resume and what the fan base can get excited about because of that. And that's where Trevor Harris comes in, to your point, because of the guys that were out there, he can be the biggest difference maker to get them in the playoffs, get them over the hump and get them to a championship game because we know he's done that with another team before. And because of that resume, now he becomes a guy that can get the fan base excited two, three months out of when we actually even play football.
1: If nothing else, I think Perception will get a shot in the arm than it would have if they had not been able to land number seven from the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, uh, Suits, yeah. time is always our enemy. We will talk again later in the week, by which time I suspect we will have some fascinating rider-player acquisitions to talk about. Great work, my man. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you, guys. Okay, that is Glenn Souter. Glenn. Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Time to break. We'll be back with more of the sports cage in hour three on the voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM.
0: Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire.
1: Hour 3 on the Monday edition of the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherritt Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherratt.com. Coming up a little bit later in the program, we will hear from Tyrone Poole, two-time Super Bowl champion, and his take on Super Bowl 57. Uh, Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball for the next couple of weeks. And right now, we go out onto the Western Pizza hotline to talk to Regina Leader Post scribe Murray McCormick, who covers, among other things the Rough Riders, the Curling Beat, et cetera, et cetera. And also, I bought this big, expensive laptop. It looked like it was a computer out of the 1980s. This thing weighs a ton, and it's massive, and I needed a massive suitcase just to lug it around Grey Cup Week. And Murray felt so sorry for me. He found a bag and even delivered it to my front doorstep, and it fits it perfectly. So thank you for that, Murray. Um, did you go to the tankard? How? Would it, what was it like? How was Esteban?
11: It was good. That's the first time I've been to the, I actually was at the Tankard for the Scotties and for the Tankard. And that's the first time in the Estevan's new arena. And as a guy who spent many, many, many hours shivering in the old, the old barn in Estevan, it was such a nice to go into that, uh, that new facility. And, and boy, I know what people took a what a couple of surprises to see come out of the provincial chances. Robin Nagel from uh, North Battleford, kind of a thrown together team wins the provincial title and a, Kelly Knapp's team, who, you know, the guys have been curling for a long time. I think people who follow sports or live in Regina. his dad was the, uh, the head pro at Torre Hill Golf Course, Scott Knapp, for since about 1985. So it was kind of nice to see those two young guys and the other ones uh, win a provincial title. So it was fun, good tanker, good place, Didn't kind of drove in and out. Not like the old days, I'd spend five days down there. It's more of a drop in and run out. So it was good.
1: Crazy story about what Robin Silvernagel has had to deal with in her personal life. And uh, also, um, I think that a lot of people expected that we would see a surprise um, or not, sorry, not a surprise, but an open field on the men's side uh, because of the breakup of Team Dunstone. Uh, but I don't think anybody expected anybody other than Colton Flash to get through, did we?
11: No, I think someone quickly said, uh, you know, was Colton Flash's tanker to lose? Like, and really, it was. I don't think... It. He just never really got all that sharp. He didn't make it to the A Finals. That's a, one of those other things. There's another guy named Steve Laycock was there. Yeah, but I, don't, I think Flash, if you've asked them, they were not happy with the way they played. And problem is they're kind of outside the points window, too. So they won't even get to the Briar as a wildcard team. So their competitive season ended after a pretty strong season on the uh, World Curling Tour Grand Slam. So I think that was the biggest surprise I, it'll be interesting to see what Kelly and his team can do at, at a briar. It's a whole other game once you find everybody. You always want to dream of playing there, but boy, there's a lot of pressure, different ice conditions, slightly larger building. It's it's a, it's a big adjustment. So it'll be interesting to see if these guys can end the tanker drought that goes back to 1980 when Rex Oakland, a, a Briar and a tanker, uh, the World Championship, and a Briar. 1980 that's a long time
1: ago crazy to think that the yeah crazy to think that the drought has lasted more than 40 years okay we'll take a brief break from this serious curling talk and talk about <laughs> this minor cfl nonsense that's happening around um i read the piece that you put up uh, i i have the subscription on the fancy regina leader post app and the title is riders could be buyers when free agent period opens tuesday um, we're hearing all kinds of reports that trevor harris is going to come here touchdown jake jake weneke is supposed to come here uh, eric lofton is coming to saskatchewan and it's believed that philip blake is going to come to saskatchewan so we knew this was a pretty critical free agent period maybe the most critical that the rough riders have had uh, since chris jones came in back in 2016 Uh, i feel like it has gone about as well as it could have for the rough riders and their fan base i know that No Bull levi mitchell is going to be a thorn in the side for some people but overall i think you have to be pretty happy with this if you're a rider fan don't you
11: yeah, I think we have to temper some of your enthusiasm, Ben, because it's kind of like my, I was trying to write that that package on free agent. Things could change tomorrow still, though. So we still have to...
1: Nothing's that, a done yeah, deal. It, yeah.
11: Yeah, not, there's nothing... To, and you never say never in the CFL, but I, I think getting Trevor Harris, who arguably was the second-best free agent quarterback, and we know Labor wasn't a free agent, but we consider him one available. I think it's a great thing. Like, Cody Fajardo wasn't coming back here. I think... Uh, he, I think he, people say he got gone along better with Jason Ma better than people think but I think he was just how it was handled by Craig Dickinson those last two games when he was benched really had an impact on Cody I think he wasn't going to come back so they had to find a guy and Trevor Harris I've dealt with Trevor I think I've interviewed him maybe two or three times he's always a little bit and he's the fans are going to like him he's just as personal he's, he's as, as involved in the community I don't know if he's going to move his family out here or not, but, uh, and you know, he can play quarterback and, and it kind of gives them a short window gaps, bridge to whoever they can get to building down the road. But I think Trevor Harris is if, and when he's announced tomorrow, as the uh, new quarterback is, is going to make a big difference to this team. And he may even help them get over something. You'll the line woes because, uh, what I found with him and sort of what I've read, he's got a quick release. So maybe that's one of the ways you won't be, uh, Scrambling around behind there, putting the pressure on the offensive line to keep from getting sacked. So I I think it's a great trade, a great trade. Sorry. (laughs) It sounds like a trade because it's Fregardo and Harris are going to do different teams if Cody actually goes to Montreal, which we think he will. So I think it's a great signing and they had to get him. If they didn't get him, boy, oh boy, would be a dark place in Regina if, if, uh, Regina, the whole province, if Trevor Harris signed with somebody else.
1: Chatting with Saskatchewan Rough Rider Beat reporter Murray McCormick uh, from the Regina Leader Post for Western Pizza, dine-in, out or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. I think you touched on something there, Murray, that Zinger pointed out earlier in the program. Had, had the riders cleaned house and found a new general manager or a new head coach, usually the inclination is give them a year or two to really figure it out. The fact that they didn't go that route Put the urgency on them to be a win now team in win now mode to go out and get a win now quarterback like Trevor Harris. Would you agree with that?
11: I think they're always in the win now mode. I think they're coming in here with the uh, the idea of making the playoffs being good enough just isn't good enough. I think that. Craig Reynolds has said many times sustained success and that's something that has to happen with this team. It doesn't happen with team unless I have somebody who can throw the ball and generate, move the ball down the field. So I think they had to go out for him. It's, it's interesting that he signed a two-year deal. Sorry. Reportedly signed a two-year deal considering that uh, Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dixon don't have two-year deals. They have a one-year deal. So the pressure is really on them. But I guess I had to get him to sign into that to get him. So I think the one year deal is, was troublesome but I, I think we're gonna find other guys who wanna play football, wanna make a little more money, we're still gonna come here, even though the Dodge and you know, in the Dickinson are kind of lame ducks. I guess they aren't kinda of kind of lame ducks, they are lame ducks. So we'll have to see how they uh, how they land and do well, how do, what kind of players they get up through that
1: free agency period. Our friend Herb Zerkowski of the Montreal Gazette has been writing some fascinating reports about what's happening with the Alouettes and their ownership situation. Again, this came as a real curveball that Trevor Harris didn't just go back to Montreal. He seems to have a great relationship with Danny Machocha, who, by the way, helped rescue Trevor's career by putting him ahead of Vernon Adams on the depth chart in Montreal and hired a head coach who Trevor seems to like and vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. in 1987, the Montreal Alouettes folded and were in chaos. And as a result of that, the Rough Riders got, let's see, Terry Baker, Dave Ridgeway, Dan Rasevich. I know you remember all this, Murray. And here yep. we are, fast forward 36 years now, and chaos with the Alouettes and their ownership uh, means the Rough Riders get their star quarterback or Montreal star quarterback, uh, one of Montreal's star receivers. Does it kind of feel like history's playing itself out again a little bit here? It does
11: feel a little bit way, and boy, if it goes the way that 87 team went, they, I don't think the league can afford to lose another team. Herb boy, hasn't ruled strange. that out. I know, there's no reason. And beyonce be honest, have you see any reason for optimism coming out of Montreal? Like, obviously, you know, we saw the story that Herb reported that uh, you know they weren't even allowed to talk to players. They so, you did know how much money they were dealing with. They did work in the free agency, so Maybe they'll be quiet in free agency, too, rather than getting Cody there. But, boy, it's scary seeing what's going on with Montreal. And we kind of thought things were settled there until the owner died, and he ended up being with the estate looking after things. But yeah, I think, you know, that 87 worked out. I think those those moves, they, those, some of those players that got in 87 were around in 89, I think. Weren't they, Brendan?
1: Yeah, yeah, Ridgeway, Baker, wrong. and Rasevich. Yeah, key parts of that 89 Great Cup championship. Yeah. yeah.
11: And I'm not like, Rob, I don't have the... Historical background on the riders
1: that like you can spew. Back to back. Glenn Dobbs in 1953, <laughs> yeah. and Ron Lancaster's and house have... from the 60s. <laughs>
11: yeah, <laughs> Emma Park Road. I never draw. I always drive by there. I think of Ron Lancaster. Anyway, I just think, yeah, I think it's it's and it works out well for the Jake Weidick. I think he's still got something in him. He had a down season in uh, 2022, but they hope they get the guy who played in 19, who was the rookie of the year. or or in twenty one who was a CFL All Star net that. So they still they still gotta find a game breaking receiver though. I still just don't think there's anybody out there who could know being respected. The, the, Gino Geno Lewis would have been a great one, but I think he's gonna go to Edmonton, so I don't know how they're gonna find him. So they gotta do they gotta look out some receivers. And I'm just kind of babbling here. You can tell me to stop any time you want, Brandon, but I, I the offensive line is going to be interesting to see what they get and how they do it. But I think they've kind of looked in-house, too, to do things. If you look at the four American tackles off the top of my head, they all kind of have pretty good resumes, strong resumes, and maybe that's the way they're going to go, is, is we're going to have a competition between, for two tackles at training camp, almost like the back-in-the-days of a quarterback competition to see who can stand up. Because I don't really see a lot of tackles in free agency. The guy from BC, Joel Figueroa, who's probably going to sign with another team so I think the ride is if we're, going to, we're not going to generate my thoughts so i are not going to generate a whole lot of excitement through the offensive tackles because I think it might be one of the guys they have in-house that'll, or two of the guys that can do that and then maybe look at someone interior-wise like, uh, like Michael Couture or some of those guys that they already probably signed but I think they got to look a little stronger at center and hopefully in-house works and I know you mentioned the other, uh, earlier tonight sort of Zach Fry, we forget about him. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. going to be a great one. I don't know if you mentioned him, but uh, he's the one they're really high on, and hopefully he's got quick feet, good feet, does all those good things that tackle him, and Maybe he's
1: the guy. Yeah, still uh, still a lot of fluidity, I think, with that offensive line. We really don't know what, what it's going to look like with the final product, and it's really hard to judge it because, you know, if, uh, if I'm playing center and I look bad, I could just blame it on Murray, who's playing right guard, who could just blame it on Zinger, who's playing tackle. And so it was really, really hard to pinpoint um, who the real culprit was um, along that offensive line, but uh, we might get a whole new offensive line by the time the dust settles. Rob Vanstone wanted to add as well, and look at the... Uh, Uh, all the Ottawa Renegades players who were on the 2007 champions. So there you go. Another team that went under and gave the Rough Riders assist. We, uh, you know, we're okay. I think we're indifferent whether this Alouette situation assists the Riders. We just hope that that they don't suffer the same fate that the 87 Alouettes did and the Ottawa Renegades as well. Hey, listen, time is always our enemy. Thanks so much for doing this on short notice. Okay. We'll do it again soon.
11: Hey, it was my pleasure. Please be nice to that bag. It could tell many, many stories.
1: No, oh, I bet. We'll just
11: don't open, just open it up and be gentle with it cuz there's been many, many a popular night with that bag. We'll have Thank to christen it with many
1: up. more at future great wow. cup trips. Wow. Okay. What's been in that bag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I certain ask some questions
2: now. Let's get into the good questions, Murray. <laughs> I'm just joking. Thank man. you. See you, man.
1: Zinger's the investigative journalist. Murray, <laughs> That's why I'm here. Murray McCormick joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine-in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Don't forget, you can join the discussion through the Sports Cage Twitter feed. At SportsCage is our handle. Haven't checked to see if Cody's blocked that one. Brought to you by Molson Coors. This winter, try Granville Island Lionsgate Ale with robust notes of cocoa, caramel, and vanilla. Please enjoy their product responsibly. Coming up a little bit later, we'll hear from two-time Super Bowl champion Tyrone Poole. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM.
0: Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
1: Monday edition of the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherritt Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at sherritt.com. Tomorrow night, we'll have the Craig Dickinson Show. I know we're excited to hear from the coach after the dust settles. We think the dust will be settled by then on the free agent frenzy in the Canadian Football League, uh, opening up tomorrow, and... You know, we've heard a few people mention that this is not yet a done deal because nobody could sign yet, at least if you're popping from team to team. If you're re-signing with your own team, that's a done deal already. By the way, did Cody block us on Twitter? No, not yet, which is good. Should I send a nasty tweet to get get him riled (laughs) up? I actually think, it's like what I said to Suter, I actually think it's better that he's just gotten off social media, while it sounds like he's not gotten off, but just disconnected because... We saw the way this town chewed up and spit out Ken Austin when he was a quarterback here. Um, Sound like Ron Lancaster enjoyed his time here. He lived here for, what, 20 years? Mm -hmm. But then decided to go live somewhere else. Uh, Darian Durant doesn't live here anymore. And now we're in an area where there's way more social media than there's ever been. So Those those names that you brought up,
2: though, those personalities, those are some strong-willed... I'm not saying Cody Fajardo's not a strong-willed person, but his personality, a whole lot different, I would say, compared to Ken Austin and
1: Darian well, thought, Durant. Well, well, you know, when I listen to celebrities talk, and, and that's what Cody is and was here for a very short time, they say you can't open up your inner circle. Like, my wife and I just watched the... Um, Derek Jeter thing the yeah. man in the arena no it was the Tom Brady thing then the Derek Jeter thing that ESPN did we're just watching we're on new this Fox ESPN. broadcaster by the way Derek right. Jeter you see that he's going to be on Fox same with Tom Brady he yeah. signed like a year or two ago so yeah. we don't know when that's going to start but but they both talk about how your inner circle has to be tight and very very small and I feel like Cody's this happy-go-lucky guy and he rides into town and everything's going so well and the fans want to know him and hang out with him and communicate with them. And he actually wanted to communicate with the fans, which like rarely ever happens, right? When mm-hmm. when a quarterback comes here. So it looked like this just great thing and then all of a sudden once the milk went sour, it went sour real bad, real fast. Like nauseating I'm sour. Yeah, so. And then he just had to completely divorce himself from it. So I think that's a good thing. Um, I, I do worry a little bit about the situation in Montreal just because I feel like it makes the league look Bush League. And maybe that's part of the CFL's DNA is maybe that's just what we are. We're a, And I say we because we're fans. We cover it. We follow it. Maybe we're just
2: Bush League. I wonder what those Alouettes are going to do at quarterback. You know, there's been rumblings that they're going to bring in Cody Fajardo and then maybe... Trade for a Dane Evans, pay them both whatever, $200,000, get two for the price of one, let them battle it out in camp. I'm on the side of thinking, do you really want to pay two, no, this might be a harsh word, mediocre quarterbacks, $200,000, or do you just want to kind of go into the season with Fajardo as your quarterback and then maybe, you know, use that money that you were going to give to Dane Evans, pl- plop it somewhere else? Like, I don't know if trading for Dane Evans is
1: the way to go, but. There's not going to be any money to give to anybody. There, there's going to be nobody else out there that you can pay because the free agent market will be swallowed up probably by the time they get this ownership. Yeah. All except if I'm out.
2: correct, Dane Evans, he's under contract, right? With, yeah, with the yeah he's not a free agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so... and. Also, the the tabbies they re-signed Matthew Schultz as well, right? So they they must be thinking that Schultz is going to be backing up Oli by this year.
1: So there's no chance they're bringing all three of those. guys There's no back. chance that Dane Evans can be back, especially now that they re-signed Schultz, right? So they'll like, release him for nothing if they can't trade him. So I think where's he going to go? Yeah, so I think I Ottawa? think. I'm I'm in the camp of Arbuckle's uh, in Ottawa, right? I I'm in the camp of uh, well, I take Evans over Arbuckle, but I'm in the camp of. Um, Montreal or where I would just say we'll just let it play out. Cody's our guy we'll let people fight out underneath him Cody's proven it before and um, you can do a lot worse than Cody Fajardo at quarterback despite the season he had and the um (laughs) like Caleb Evans oh my goodness guy cannot throw a football anyways Lots of uh, lots of subpar quarterbacks kicking around. Not, as Rob Vanstone always points out, not just in the CFL, but everywhere. Oh, in there's North a America lot of right bad quarterbacks the su- in the NFL, man. Like, half the starters aren't even good. The supply is not meeting the demand right now, so it's... Um It's a not a sire. It's a free agents market. And Trevor Harris, it sounds like, is going to cash in on that market tomorrow. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll hear from two time Super Bowl champion Tyrone Poole recapping Super Bowl 57. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM. Alright, here's your sports ticker. It's 532 and it's brought to you by
2: Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed American quarterback Shea Patterson. and If you're thinking to yourself, who's that? Well, Patterson signed with the Kansas City Chiefs as an undrafted free agent following the 2020 NFL Draft and then in 2020 21, rather, he played with the Montreal Alouettes and the BC Lions, and the Riders have also signed American defensive back Leon O'Neill Jr. O'Neal signed with the San Francisco 49ers as an undrafted free agent in 2020 after four seasons at Texas A&M, the Aggies. <laughs> Monday's Pat Chat is for the Canadian Brew House. Enjoy Valentine's Surf and Turf for two for only $69.99 on February 14th, starting at 6 p.m., only at the CBH. Man, what a win it was for the Pats on Saturday. 8-4 victory over the Moose Jaw Warriors at the Brad Center. Dante DiCaria was joined by Pats assistant coach Brad Haroff after the game.
3: Two points against a division rival. Two points, very important two points tonight. How impressed were you with how your team responded in the second period? Beating Moose Jaw 8-4 tonight.
9: Well, that's exactly it. I think the way we handle the maturity of the game, how we handle the situa- different situations that arose, I think we handled it with a tons of maturity tonight, and just showed the growth for our team and that we're learning to win. We're learning to win different ways. Brad, what did you
3: like about just the, the response? Do you think that Ty Spencer had a lot to do with the momentum shift from your team, given that he picked up that goal in his first game back from injury?
9: Well, I think the biggest thing with Ty Spencer is he lengthens our lineup and doesn't put so much pressure on Connor and Whitehead. Um, he's he's really good in his D zone, you know. For an uh, undersized guy. He's really sneaky defensively, and you can play him in every situation, and when you take start taking three, four minutes off of uh, takes it off Connor's game, you know, he's just so much more energized on the offensive side and doesn't have to get beat up, killing penalties, so obviously that goal is huge for us tonight, but I just think what he does for our lineup and the length he gives us just makes a big difference.
3: Very uh, important milestone tonight. John Paddock picks up his 200th career victory as coach of the Regina Pats. Maybe speak on what he has meant to you this organization and getting his 200th win tonight. Uh, he's well in reach of finishing the season second all time in wins as a coach in Pat's
9: history. You know, Dante, me and John kind of go back to me playing in the American League and that's exactly how I'm here right now is because yeah. I knew John from the American League and um, he got me started in um, in playing in the American League probably and that's another story but he gave me my chance in coaching here and just to be around him for the last eight years and just to watch the other hockey men in the world, just the way that they treat him with the Respect, and for me to be able to work alongside him, and you know Dave Stroop for the last eight years, I I count myself very, very fortunate um, to be learning under a man like him.
0: We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio six twenty CKRM.
1: Hour three on the Monday edition of the Sports Cage. Tomorrow, we will hear from the coach, Craig Dickinson, on the Craig Dickinson Show. It'll be our first chance to visit with the ball coach after the free agent frenzy in the Canadian Football League opens up tomorrow. Joining us right now on the Western Pizza Hotline is our NFL contributor, Tyrone Poole, two-time Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. Tyrone, what did you think about the Super Bowl yesterday?
12: Hello, Brandon. Uh, first and foremost, want to say hello to all of my Canadian friends north of the border. I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's always an honor uh, to talk sports. But uh, to ask you a question, uh, you know, it was what I thought it would be. Um, I thought it would be a high-scoring game. Of course, you got the number one offense with the Kansas City Chiefs. And you got a great offense uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, I just felt like at the end, my pick was uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, The reason why I said Kansas City would win is because I've seen that story too many times. And what story am I talking about? I'm talking about when you have a great head coach and you have a great quarterback. That is always a recipe for winning. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, I saw the same thing with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So uh, that was the reason why I picked Kansas City. But it was a heck of a game, heck of a game.
1: I picked Kansas City, too, and I fully expected it to blow up in my face. I was just thinking that, you know, I'd get greater odds if I took Kansas City. But at the end of the day, I guess you can't go against a Patrick Mahomes, even if he's 80%. Hey, um, I was going to ask you, because you had a long career as a defensive back in the National Football League. You would have had a, a good view of the replay, just like the rest of us did on that penalty that people are talking about still today. And we'll probably talk for months and years ahead. Was it a penalty? What do you think?
12: Well, i tell you what, people going to always talk. <laughs> They're going to always talk. You know, and I'll say this as well. There's always holding. There's always some type of something that's done illegally every snap. It just doesn't get called. Uh, it's kind of like offensive linemen, right? The offensive linemen never really gets their name called unless they create some type of false start okay Uh, people can't really see it but when you're in the open like a defensive back a wide receiver everything is visible but what i'm trying to say is there's always holding going on it is just when is it discovered uh i had a wise defensive back once tell me a veteran he says if you hold a hundred times will the referee throw throw a hundred flags. No, they would not. What you have to do is know pick and choose when to do it, Okay? And I think, you know, you should let them play football in a situation like this. Receivers are pushing off on defense and back And what we're trying to do is grab that R that they're trying to push off on. And I'll close with this. They say the second man is always going to be the one that gets caught. Okay? And, but at the end of the day, you know, you let to play football um, unless it's something very uh, flagrant that causes the wide receiver to fall down, alter their body mechanics greatly. Then you throw the flag. Other than that, you let to play football.
2: Tyrone, this is Sean Kleisinger here. During the Star Spangled Banner last night, there was a shot of Sirianni with the uh, tears just flowing down his cheeks. He was getting all emotional. For yourself, sitting on your couch at home watching the game. Does it bring up any old type of competitive juices when you watch these type of games, man, especially when you see players and coaches on the sidelines getting emotional? Do you feel like strapping on a helmet and going back out there?
12: You know, the only time that I really feel that urge uh, or the the hair stands up on my skin is when um, I don't hear it. (coughs) Sometimes they show it. They show the, uh,
0: flyover.
12: Mm. Uh, that's when I actually really, uh, the, you know, the hair stand up on my skin is when I see the flyover. Uh, but, you know, it's a Super Bowl. It's a, uh, emotional game, the last game. Uh, I think one of the players was asked, uh, you know, during the pre, uh, I guess the media day, uh, which was a crazy question, uh, how important is this game. I'm like, what, what you? <laughs> you know, They get asked questions like they're doing, you know, the media day, but but no. Uh it's an emotional game and uh, you know, Philadelphia played a great game, a couple of you know turnovers here and there. Uh the Jalen Hurts fumble, uh that wow. hurt them. The part return hurt them. So uh, still yet uh Philadelphia had an opportunity uh, regardless of the penalty uh, to really uh, take control of the game. And we always say as players, don't allow, let's play good enough to where the referees do not become a factor.
1: NFL alumnus Tyrone Poole joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine-in, takeout, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Okay, you do this thing. Work that thing, player of the week. Have you had a chance to think that over, who your pick is from Super Bowl
12: 57? (laughs) That's very easy. It's the Kansas City Chiefs, the whole entire team. I'm like, they are the best of the best. Uh, Every person that stepped on that field, uh, whether special teams, offense, defense, uh, the scout team, Uh, Those guys that were running the Philadelphia Eagles routes and uh, imitating Jalen Hurst, Uh, no. The whole work that thing, uh, Kansas City organization, and what does work that thing mean? Work that thing basically means that uh, whatever obstacle tried to hinder or tried to stop uh, you or someone from achieving your goal. And you overcome it, so you have to work that thing. You have to do whatever it is you need to do to get the end result. So the Kansas City Chiefs work that thing. They won the Super Bowl. They are, uh, you know, this year's champions, and probably have a great opportunity to be champions next year.
1: I wanted to ask you about um, Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP. And I mean, I, I don't think too many people are going to question that. I mean, he looked like he was playing on one leg for a good part of the game. I suspect they may have injected something into his other ankle to make him feel a little better so that he could hobble through the rest of it. Um, it seems to me like, in, and in the Canadian Football League, we're just as guilty of it, where we always defer to the quarterback, the winning quarterback. So often the winning quarterback or one of the best teams quarterback either wins the Super Bowl mvp or the mvp of the whole entire league and that's always kind of stuck in my craw a little bit because that goes against the fundamental values of what football is supposed to be um it's supposed to be what a 47 man roster the ultimate team game the ultimate team game and i feel like we just reduce it to individuals when we do that and it's almost like we treat the other players like their contribution doesn't matter as much um I realize that uh, the offensive lineman or the fullback or, dare I say, the odd defensive back maybe doesn't quite have the opportunity to impact a game at the same level that a quarterback would, but we need to see more defensive backs and linebackers and defensive linemen and receivers win this award, don't we?
12: Well, you know, the one thing about defense, right, I I, I think it'll be tough for a defensive player to do it, because defense, unlike the quarterback on the offense, everything starts with the quarterback. On defense, I think you see more of a true team effort, Uh, D-line and linebackers, defensive backs, but those guys on defense would have to have a heck of a game. I'm like, a defensive back would probably have to have uh, three interceptions, uh, uh, well, two interceptions, at least one return for a touchdown in a critical part of the game to probably get considered. But with the quarterback, everything starts with the snap. The quarterback either has to hand it off, uh, but, you know, because the game is such an aerial game, Uh, and, you know, I I think it gives the quarterback an opportunity to be the MVP because the quarterback handles the ball the most. A a defensive player, you know, unless they run the ball in your gap all game, probably only going to make a few plays. A defensive back, they're not going to throw the ball at you every time, but the quarterback handles the ball every time. So it increases uh, his opportunity uh, to Uh, make plays. So it's like being in uh, Las Vegas, the slot. The more you pull that handle, then, you know, the more your chances of winning are. So I get it. I see why the quarterback does have a more higher percentage to be the MVP. Plus, it's a quarterback-driven league, and that's why their position, uh, you know, it's tough when you lose, and uh, you get too much of the credit when you win and you get too much of the blame when you lose. But uh, that's just a high-profile position. I don't care if it's college, high school, or the pros.
1: Well, hey, if uh, our good pal Tyrone Poole, who has the credibility of being a star defensive back, is okay with it, then it's okay with us too. Uh, Hey, listen, pal, never enough time. We appreciate this. We'll uh, let you get on with your Monday night.
12: Yeah, thank you. And if I must say, uh, if anyone's looking for a great speaker in the Canadian area, uh, uh, please check me out. Go to my website, tyronepool38.com, tyronepool38.com, to get an opportunity to see a whole lot of other things that I'm doing, supplements, look at things, supplements, and I also have a book. Uh, ultimate success in a game of life. Uh, uh, go to my website, purchase the book. Uh, you get a free autographed copy, which is a big trading card. So TyronePool38.com.
1: You took the words right out of my mouth, my friend. I'm looking at it right now. Speaker, author, athletic trainer, I'll be ordering my copy tonight. I look forward to receiving my signed copy in the mail. TyronePool38.com. Time to break. We'll be back with more. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This
2: day in sports history brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. February 13th, 1977, Eric Heiden becomes the first American to win the World Speed Skating Championship. And in 1990, Larry Bird's consecutive game free throw streak comes to an end at an astonishing 71
0: games. Of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage
1: on 620 CKRM. Coming up later this week on the program, we'll hear from the coach, Craig Dickinson, for the Craig Dickinson Show for McDougal Auctioneers. And we'll also check in with Peter Lavardius, who is uh, broadcasting hockey tonight. The Calgary Flames taking on the Ottawa Senators. Hope to speak with somebody in Ottawa. Lots of things happening over there. Shaq Evans, now a member of the Ottawa Red Blacks or so we're hearing through our good friends at 3downnation.com. This is Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger with you uh, wrapping up this episode of the Sports Cage. And of course, don't forget, uh, you can chime in through Twitter. Our handle is at Sports Cage brought to you by Molson Coors this winter try Granville Island Lionsgate Ale with robust notes of cocoa, caramel and vanilla. Please enjoy their product responsibly. You can also call in at 306- out of town, toll-free, 1-866-767-0620. And you can text us on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line at that in-town number 306-936-6262. Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger wrapping up the first episode of the week. You know, we think about all these hypothetical moves that the riders supposedly have already locked down, even though nobody can sign until tomorrow. Um... Where do you peg them in the west with Trevor Harris at quarterback and Jake Winicky and all the you know, other stuff
2: I, I think they're going to be I think they have the potential to maybe reach second I know people are going to be like huh but let's let's face it here I think I think at the end of the day I still will, would take the Rough Riders over the Edmonton because 'cause I'm not a Taylor Cornelius believer quite yet. I like Trevor Harris more than Cornelius. Not
1: a real high ceiling for for Taylor Cornelius. They're gonna have to do it with their defense. Yeah. And yeah.
2: let's and let's be honest, the Elks were just so bad last year. Like they were so bad. Like that would be a complete 180, 360, whichever number you want to slap on it. If the Elks were to turn that around, it'd be better than the Rough Riders this year. That's why, you know, the Rough Riders and Elks, they're playing each other to open up the year and a lot of people even around here are being like oh we don't stand a chance against the Elks like it's the Edmonton Elks we're talking about here like so I think the Riders are people
1: really saying that well the riders don't have
2: I I actually think that um, no I don't want to actually put words in his mouth because I can't remember exactly but Ballsy did make a prediction I'm not sure if he if he picked the Elks or the riders in that game maybe it was someone else but yes it has come out of somebody's mouth so I Long way about it. I put the Riders ahead of the Elks, okay? So I, I do think the Riders will be battling between either a home playoff game in the semifinal or maybe going on the road in the semifinal. I think
1: that's a real realistic... So who who's the team that they don't catch? Winnipeg? You'd put them at second behind Winnipeg? Still Winnipeg's think, a team they can't catch? Yeah, I, I, I still think...
2: Well, I think Winnipeg will pro- probably finish first in the West, no? I mean...
1: You'd have to think so, just coming back. So I I think they're going to have a nearly impossible task catching the Blue Bombers or the Stampeders. That's what I think. I think the
2: Lions and Stamps will be the first two. And then I think the Rough Riders, they can, they, they can pass uh, the BC Lions and I think they can pass the Edmonton Elks. I think that's realistic to think. I think, to, I think it's realistic to believe that the Rough Riders could finish third this year.
1: Vernon Adams Jr. hasn't earned his stripes as a starting quarterback yet. He yeah. showed a lot of promise and he was a lot of fun to watch. He could be... I shouldn't say he could be he is a real exciting quarterback to watch and and I think the best is still to come for Vernon Adams Jr but there are still some unanswered questions regarding him as a starting quarterback the other thing that's been brought up is that we assume that Chris Jones and his defense will get it figured out in Edmonton, based on his track record, I'm so tired of that
2: narrative. Though, like, but, when but, was the last time? Ha- when was the last time that he's actually led a team to do it? Like, well, you he, know, this ain't 20 whatever anymore. 15, 2015 when he won with the with the
1: then Eskimos. He, to To be fair, he did get the Riders turned around, and his one weakness was he couldn't get the quarterback thing settled. We had Zach Calero, so we had Brandon I'm not sure. Bridge, right? No, for sure, add backup, but but overall, I think I think we'd have to agree. Maybe you don't want to agree. I'd have to say that his track record's pretty impressive when it comes to personnel. My worry, I think he's a better GM than the head coach. And I had, I've, I've that, said it. And that's fair. But, yeah. but, but in Edmonton, the big concern is I'm not sure that we see enough foundational pieces to make it look like his third rebuild is going to go as well as rebuilds one and two. And to your point, his first rebuild in Edmonton, Looked a lot more impressive than it was. He had Mike Riley, who was just rounding into form, into his own. And I think he hit it at just the right time. Take nothing away. He turned a dog with fleas around mm-hmm. to become a Grey Cup champion within two years. But he had a lot of things working in his favor there, too. Yeah. I think he came here. He made a lot of great choices. But it's kind of like in the NFL. You know how um, no NFL head coach has won a Super Bowl with more than one team? Mm. You can only build Camelot once. And I question if this rebuild is going to get across the finish line in Edmonton as well as it did in Edmonton second time around, as well as it did his first go-around with that franchise and his time here in Saskatchewan. And especially, it just
2: seems like he's still doing the same type of things. Like last year, they were paying a whole bunch of money for Kenny Lawler, right? Like, what was it, $300,000? And then he's gone. He's gone? Okay, he's back in Winnipeg. But now, the word is, they're going to be signing Eugene Lewis to another $300,000 contract. So you're basically just taking the same approach of paying just outrageous amount of money for a wide receiver while you have Taylor Cornelius at quarterback. Like, at some point, don't you got to kind of like... Flip the script and maybe take a different path here or there. I mean, you go after
1: Trevor the- Harris. Get a, get the quarterback yeah. thing
2: solidified before you do yeah. the uh, the receiver Anyways, thing. But Chester on the text line. I know we got to go here, but oh, sir, that's Eli on the text line. Says dwellers this year for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So Eli is not feeling the vibe right now. Chester says we definitely need to keep Cody. We got rid of uh, who we needed. Well, I got news for you, Chester. Cody will be signing on the dotted line tomorrow with the Montreal Alouettes. So. He can close that chapter,
1: well, just like we and, can do with if, this, today's show. And it, and if Cody has a great year in Montreal and the Riders lay another egg, then Chester can call in and say, "Guys, I told you so." <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that would be sweet. I'll that's, save this audio, Chester, just in case. That's another episode of the Sports Cage Zinger at night is next. Here on the Almighty
0: 60 Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.